Dybala! He is something else. Di Lorenzo, and still Di Lorenzo! The captain brings the house down. Pantelopea champions once again, but the 33-year wait will now officially come to an end. Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your Calcio to go. I'm Frank Crivello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you now, yes. <laughs> How are you this evening? <laughs> Good thing that you're going to be in bed by the time I'm done with this podcast and that they're not going to have to deal with my wrath. So. <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, great to have Calcio back. So many yeah, eight games to talk about. A lot of exciting stuff. Uh, some obviously some stories we're going to talk about. But man, I'm excited. And it, it's, I feel like I'm back full circle now. I feel I feel good now. How about you? What's everybody? Hey, chat. What's everybody drinking tonight? I'll tell you let's, what I'm let's, drinking. You got a little club. You got a little CC going on. Okay. Well, I'm I got on vacation little, right now, so I got a little uh, bib and Tucker. I'm not on vacation. So it doesn't, it doesn't stop me. Perfect. Um, I was mixing that with a little seven up. So okay, take mix it up. Take, a little, I got ice in mine, so that's my mix. Yeah, take a little something off the edge. So, uh, so yeah, so uh, so we're 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 enjoying a cocktail over. I think we're trying to catch up because if you went through the weekend on on Twitter with the people that are actually paid to talk about Calcio and you know um, drink for every overreaction to what's going on on the weekend just because Calcio is back. All right. Richard and I are just kind of making up for the, the drinks we're supposed to drink, uh, <laughs> you know, for all of that. I think that that's what we're doing right now. Cause my God, I mean, it's the first week of the season and some of these pundits, some of these people, and I'm not going to name names have already lost their minds, Richard. You know, in the States, we talked that uh, overreaction Monday. Well, this will be yeah. underreaction Sunday. <laughs> yeah. We'll you're be, not going to we'll be yeah. calm and level-headed. Yeah, you're not going to get that here. We're not. I'm not coming on here to go. Oh, look at Fiorentina scoring four goals. Look at oh Juventus hand on the title now. Come, come the fuck on. Okay, it's Lazio's one game. getting relegated. Okay, yeah, Lazio, Lazio screwed. That's it. Lecce for the Champions League. Let's go. Here we go. Fugato, right. Fugato. Here we go. Yeah, I mean, guys, you guys. I mean, the guys that you've done this long enough to know it's one game. Okay. And our mantra here at the Serie A sit down, and I even said it, I think I retweeted Bonetti. I said, I need to see everybody play 10 games. Yep. That's been our standard. Little, little over a quarter of the season. You get a good mix of quality in terms of your opponents, tactics, uh, a good idea, you know, rotation, what certain players can and can't do. And then I can sit here and buy into, yes, this team's a Scudetto contender. This team's probably headed to, you know, this team's screwed, probably headed to relegation. I mean, Frozenoni will probably talk about relegation week all season long. They're managed by, they're managed by EDF and, yeah, uh, you know, so, and, 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 uh, and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, my opinion doesn't, Changed drastically about Lecce and what I said last week. I mean, I need I need more sample, um, but I am going to get into them a little bit because, man, I was that that there. I'll tell you what. I'm going to just say it right now. Here's my here's my tout that I'm going to get ahead of everybody else on right off the bat. This this Pontus Almquist that they did somebody did somebody tell good. him he was good. Did somebody tell him that this wasn't the extra class extra classa or the Eredivisie or the Allsvenskan where the <laughs> leagues that he played in prior to this? 
Yeah, man. He was one of the better players of the night. I'll tell you, I'll even tell you the team he played for last season. He played in the Polish first division for Pogon Szczecin. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, let let those other let those other podcasts tell you where he comes from. I bet you they don't say a damn thing, right? <laughs> That's right. So I mean, yeah, so we're not gonna sit here and overreact. We're gonna give a good practical and you know idea of what what did we see from every team on match day one. Okay. I, I will say this though. I will say this. After our podcast, literally after the podcast ended, I had a whole like epiphany on my on my top twenty or like on the rankings where they're at. So I might mm-hmm. I can almost guarantee my top four at the end of the Mercato will be different than what I said on the podcast. Oh yeah, it's definitely gonna be different. Okay. We need sample. We need to see these guys a little bit. We need to we need the Mercato to wrap up. Um we we did our top twenties. We did our, our our rankings or we did our predictions as the uh teams looked going into match week one. Okay, and we said we have the right to change this when the window shuts because the teams, some of these teams will change a little bit between now and then. And some of these teams have already changed, um, you know, yeah. since we since we were last on the air. So, um, so here you're going to get practical analysis here of what we saw of each game, uh, what we saw from each team. You know, maybe a little why you're exci- why we're excited about them, why we're grouchy about them, you know, that sort of stuff. I think I found a little bit about each team, you cool. know. As I was going through the games, Richard. So, how about we just knock this off game by game? We'll do. We don't often do that. We don't often like. You know, we we usually will just highlight a couple of big games, and then we'll just batch the rest. Right. Um, right. But let's let, let let's start off with the champions. They traveled to Frosinone, um, and win three one. Um, let me pull up my. Uh, bear with me a second here. Okay. Um, so they travel to Frozenone. They win 3-1. It is not the greatest start uh, for the defending champions, and in particular, uh, uh, Jens Kajust, who got his first start, um, fouling, uh, I believe it was Baez in the penalty area, Yeah. Uh, four minutes in. A uh, lot of debate and discussion about it. Did he do it? Did he not? Et cetera, et cetera. Well, they ultimately gave a penalty. Uh, Abdu Hauri scores uh, the penalty in the seventh minute. Um, and oh, great, you just made them mad. Uh, it's really the best way to describe it. Yeah. Um, uh, Politano, uh, on the rebound 1 1, uh, and then Victor Alciman doing Victor Alciman things. He braces, uh, one on a nice ball from Giovanni Di Lorenzo, and then another one from Giovanni Di Lorenzo. Uh, so 3 1, uh, for Napoli. Um, I think the easiest place to start with Richard is the de- debut of Kajus because that's how that's what everybody was talking about, at least in the Twitter spaces and in the social media. Nightmare start, yellow card, concedes a penalty, you know, and gets yanked at halftime. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I, I think he's going to be fine. I saw some passes and I saw some things in his repertoire where he's going to be really effective for Napoli. And let's just, in my opinion about Kajus, hey, you just chalk this up as a bad day. I think he's going to be fine. Yeah, I mean, of course, first game jitters of the new club. He's not the only one who had some uh, jitters of, with our new clubs, and we'll get to Inter and Sommer. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, again, you had a – it's millimeters, right, where, was you know, he taking the kick. If he gets the ball, misses the guy, it's nothing nothing to worry about. It's an okay first half. But, I mean, a clear penalty in the, in the first 10 minutes of the game, and yeah. after that he wasn't that great overall. So, yeah, first game jitters, I – I'm going to chalk it up to as another chance. 
The question is, will Rudy Garcia, you know, look at it that way? I assume he will. He's a he's a manager's been here, done that, didn't been there, done that. So I, I imagine he'll be calm about this as well. Now, if this goes ten games or whatever, yeah, you know, I could see you know be a different story. But it's first game, new guys in the new league, you know, it's it's to be expected, really. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, uh, the other note that I had about Napoli is. Um, uh, I think Napoli supporters need to be happy that Zielinski's wife wanted to stay in Italy and didn't want to go to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. He looked great. Yeah. Um, and and when when you don't have Quadratelia out there to you know to give you some playmaking from the wide areas, then you're really going to need Zielinski to do it through the midfield. I thought he was very influential in this game. Um, created a lot of great chances. Shame that he didn't get an assist or get on the score sheet with a goal because uh, I think he deserved it. But um, you know you can look at. Wasseman and Di Lorenzo, who I thought were both outstanding in this game. But then after that, you have to look at Zielinski's role in this match and, and the performance he put in. Uh, and probably a relief to Partenope supporters that he's still there. Yeah, I, I think I think so. It's a testament that it makes that midfield even stronger, right? We talked about last year how good Zielinski, Anguisa, and Slobodka were. And it was evident in this game, in particular, Lobotka and Zielinski. Um, a lot of it came through the midfield, you know, looking at the... Uh, some of some of the statistics from the game, and now that's not working for me. Why is this not showing for me? It's not showing. It's not showing. Oh wait a minute. It's probably like the volume on my mic. Yeah, it's not working for me now. But whatever. <laughs> anyway, anyway, what I was trying to show was a a chart of where, where the where the ball was coming up, and I believe played fairly direct up the middle because they're you know balls come from defense to Lobotka, Lobotka to Zelensky, and then going up the pitch and and trying to get their chances that way. Um, so yeah, Zelensky is a big part of that. I think you know having him this season will be a uh, it's a good sign for Napoli to kind of try to repeat this year because, you know, you need to have all your pieces. Yeah, they lost Minjai Kim, but to have that midfield intact and have a player of the caliber of Zelensky, you need that's just going to make Napoli that more dangerous, you know, than if he wasn't there. So, uh, yeah, glad to see him. And I'm sure Bartholope supporters are just jumping at the jumping at the at the at the rafters, you know, with the, the fact that he's staying. All right, here's where I'll just pull it back on Napoli just a little bit. Frozen only didn't test him. I, I, the, the jury's still out on if if this if the Juan Jesus Rahmani partnership is going to be as effective. Mm. Um, you know, I I I have questions about them defensively still. Frozenoni did not ask enough of them in this game, uh, so for me, I have a hard time um, uh, believing that this is just pick up where they left off. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I need to see teams that are really going to put some pressure on their back line. Teams that are going to press them too, because Frozenoni didn't really do any of that. I mean, look at the uh, shot. Look at the shots right here. Like Napoli just completely outshot them from everywhere around the box. Frozenoni had four attempts. Four mm-hmm. attempts. Obviously, one was a goal, but that was a penalty. So I mean, they really did nothing. And it was Napoli. Yes, they weren't at their best, but they were. They got the job done. That's what. Yeah. That's what's most important, right? Yep. Yep, I agree, and I, so that's that's where you know certainly some some of the mainstays with with Napoli certainly stepped up and performed in the absence of a player like Fatatalia. Big questions about them defensively still because I don't think Frozen only asked them. Um, so need to see them against a team that's going to put some pressure on them. And like I said earlier, I think a team that's going to that, that that's going to press them into mistakes because to me Juan Jesus is a guy that when he's got the ball, you can go ahead and go after him. Um, yeah. and get him uncomfortable. Uh, Rahmani has made a lot of improvements, made a lot of strides. I think Giovanni Di Lorenzo is the best right back in this league. Um, and, uh, you know, and the, the, the left-hand side, okay, they're going to be able to rotate that between Oliveira and Rui, but 
I, I need to see if they have been able to, can they adequately replace Kim Min Jai? And I, I, the answer to me is still no. Um, even with this game and even with this performance, I just, I'm not there yet. I, I need to, I need to see a team that's going to put them to the test. Who stood it the most for you for, for Napoli in this, in this situation? Obviously, you know, for me, look outside of the defenders, obviously, the, the player who had the most touches in the game for Napoli was Labotka. Labotka was the key cog last year in this whole team and really got this team going, especially with that transition from defense to offense. Uh, he had the most. He and Zelensky had the most touches, and it's not surprising. Obviously, Labotka is the guy who is your transition guy, but he does so much for the team. And when he's humming, which majority of the games last year he was humming, other than the one game he had a, the blip uh, and that four nothing loss, he is he's so instrumental for his team, and he doesn't get enough respect. We talked about this at the end of last season. Like Labotka is just like unbelievably underrated this guy is just phenomenal and, and everything comes through him and he kind of gets this whole motor going with 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 napoli whether Havrashil is there or not right it's, as long as he's there and he's humming then he got Zelensky there this team's going to be doing very well it's going to be scoring a lot of goals this season i i would i would say labotka's performance was a safe one in this game um i mean hell i mean he 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 had 60 pass attempts i mean he he, he helps his, he basically helped his team keep the ball I mean, 59, 59, pa- you know, 59 passes found his teammates out of a possible 60. Yeah. Um, you know, and we're not, you know, don't want to start talking about him like being, but, but there wasn't anything in his passing that he didn't do anything dangerous. He just helped his team keep the ball. He didn't take risks. Um, the, he left the risk to Zielinski. Yep. Um, he got DiLorenzo in positions wide where he could do some crossing, do some damage. You know, and he got gut balls into guys like Raspadori and Politano, but didn't really take any risks in this game. I would call Lobotka's performance safe here. Um, that's I his was, job, really. That's his yeah, job. Yeah, really. exactly, exactly. Win it, intercept it, and you know, sit behind the five guys, the two guys that you're that are flanking you in the midfield, and the three guys in front of you. Let them get the pressure on the opponent. It's going to funnel to you. You get it. Find one of them. Start it up again. And that's his role. And he does it. He does it to a T. Uh, so, um, so I thought that was fine. I thought for me, I thought Giovanni Di Lorenzo was the best player on the pitch for Napoli. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ossiman certainly scored the goals, but Di Lorenzo provided him. And I thought that he, as the game went on, he got more and more dangerous on that right-hand side. I mean, the guy and his, and his work rate was fantastic. So yeah. he's one of the guys that really impressed me out of, out of all eight of, uh, out of all, uh, 16 of these teams this weekend. Um, he was one of my you know, one of the guys that I put some pretty positive, pretty high notes on. On the Frozenoni side, um, I think Giuseppe Caso is is a useful player. Um, he didn't get to show it too much here. Uh, Baez is going to get a lot of credit for drawing the penalty. Um, but And then Haraliu is a guy they brought over uh, who scored the penalty. So, yeah, there's pieces. Um, they, they lack a a striker presence. I don't think this Cooney is, is going to be um, <laughs> someone that's going to help them. Um, but I, I, Kazo to me is the most useful. I, I think as a team, you know, we talked about this maybe being one of the weakest, probably being the weakest squad in Serie A. And, and the things, a couple things that stood out to me, number one, they, they just don't have the speed that Napoli has. And that's going to be a big, big problem the rest of the way in Serie A. They just, you know, they, what they do works in City B and they want to keep the ball and they want to play a little bit. And I, I give them a lot of credit for it, but 
you know, they are just, you could, I mean, man for man on the pitch, they were a step slower than Napoli. And then what's worse is there's just little to no cover uh, in, in their defensive shape. I mean, I, I mean, you had two center backs on, on Ossiman's first goal. You had two center backs. Either one of them could have picked him up and tracked his run, and they both just still – I mean, it boggles my mind how, you know, let's just sit and hold the six. And then he just drifts off, drifts off, gets kind of closer to the, you know, the penalty spot distance, let's say, 10, 12 yards out, and it comes back to him, and it's an easy goal. It's just like, yeah. how do you not stay with him? Um, there's two of you there. So um, this is going to be this is going to be tough going for Frozen Oni, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's a shame that because, you know, well, what they did in Serie B last year, and obviously this is a different league completely, but Grosso, I think, understood what this team was about and what their strengths were and got obviously got them to succeed, you know, tremendously in Serie B. It would have been nice to see how he would have done in Serie A, but obviously now you got EDF in the place and we know we know his track record. Didn't really have his team prepared. As, I mean, yes, Napoli's a difficult opponent, probably the hardest opponent you can face in, in the opening match day. However, it was like nothing there for Frozen Nona. And, and granted, maybe they need a few games to get into the, up to the pace. Maybe play a hardest team first, and then it gets easier from there. We'll see. Torati is going to have to set, stand on his head this year, uh, much as, you know, um, uh, Salernitana's goalkeeper, name is escaping me at the moment, the Mexican goalkeeper. Uh, Ochoa. Ochoa. Ochoa, how he did it for them the second half of the season. You know, Torati is going to have to have big. Well, Tipo had to be big last year, kind of why Hela stayed up, you know. So we're going to have to see. Big, big goalie performances from him if his team's going to have any chance of, you know, being in the mix at the end. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Oh, man. So, Napoli, same old, same old going forward. Was able to pull, was able to do it against a promoted team without Quadratelia. You kind of expected that that was going to happen. Defensively, we still got questions. Um, Frosinone, man, are they slow. Um, <laughs> they've got a few creative players in there. Caso, Baez. You may be a little bit of Harawi, but, you know, the, the, certainly a reference point up front will give them some help. Um, but, uh, you know, right off the bat, not looking good. Yeah. Tell us about Empoli and Hellas Verona. Yeah, I'll make sure my mic is on there. <laughs> Empoli, Hellas Verona, uh, I had some, I mean, you could you could say, I think, a joke of the Apex, this is a relegation six-pointer early in the season, right? First game in, but uh, two teams who will be towards the bottom of the table. Empoli obviously overachieved last year, and, you know, their mid-table team, at least to start off, they started out very well last year. They were top 10 last year at the beginning of the season and then eventually drifted off. Hellas spent the majority of the season uh, at the bottom. But this team, this game was uh, a game where really not much went on. Empoli probably had the better of the play, I would say, in this game. They created a lot of mm-hmm. opportunities. Uh, the keeper made some fantastic saves. I mean, Razvan Marin had a couple great opportunities that was you know, stopped by the keeper. Um, Huge miss by Giassi in the first half. Yeah, Giassi's killing, kicking himself because new team, right? We we talk. He's one of the guys we talk about. You know, he's going to move to a new team and going and to flourish. Great opportunity, wide open, and fluffs the shot completely. Looked like Zaza there or something like that at a penalty spot. Uh, but uh, you know, the game kept going on and on. And as the game kept going, you're thinking, all right, the longer this goes, the more it favors uh, favors Hellas because Empoli should be winning in this type of game. But you know, they, they couldn't finish the ball for whatever reason. Um, play finally after what 75 minutes, the balls bounced around the box, and, and and the goal which you kind of expected in this kind of game, an ugly goal that's, that that uh, Bonazzoli pounces on. Bounces off the ground and goes in and goes in the box and he's celebrating as he always does and that's all Hellas would need. And Montipo was obviously you know fantastic, made some great saves in this game. Empoli created but not enough. They were missing that final third and uh, you know you know Razvan Marin 
I thought played very well for them. He's going to be someone we're going to have to keep an eye on this year, taking that next step uh, in his progression, but not finishing their opportunities. And that's going to be kicking them right in the end of the season. Not saying Eppley are for sure going to be at the bottom, but you know, they're going to be in that bottom half table for sure. And so will this be three points that they're going to be kicking themselves at the end of the season? I don't know. This could be huge for Hellas. Yes, it's game one, but you know, we know they're going to be at the towards the bottom. Three points is a three points. I I like this combination of Jassy, Baldanzi, and Marin. I think there's potential there. Yeah. Um, I, I think that I think that I you know Jassy was on our crap and a cracker team last year, and I think he's going to get out of that this year as this evolves as he gets used to playing with those guys. I mean, you got a couple of guys, playmakers, compose on the ball. Who did he have in uh, it's Betsy just Esposito, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, he had, he had yeah. Enzola no, to run off of, you know. But you've got a few more playmaking guys. Grassi can absorb, you know, and, and things like that. And he's he's got a lot of experience. Uh, Cancellieri looks looked lost out there yeah. uh, in this setup. I mean, give him uh, yeah. Let's that, that that might be a hey, give it time. New team, let him let him work his way in. Um, and I think Caputo's the ideal striker for what's behind him, uh, you know, in this team. You know, just needs to be a poacher, just needs to be a guy that gets on the end of some of this stuff. Um, and, and Caputo could find him find his way to 10, 12 goals this season, you know, if he can, you know, just kind of take care of himself and, and all this other stuff. So um, I think Bel- you, you talk about Marty making the, ne- the leap forward. I think Baldanzi makes the leap forward this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in the midfield. And I think he looked terrific as well. Uh, you know, created some chances. Um, wasn't, you know, particularly safe with the ball. He's willing to take risks, you know, from the yeah. from the 10 position. And I think you want to see that from him. Um, he should really too, because with guys like Caputo and Giassi, get, you know, take the chance and go for the risky pass that yeah, maybe they're going to sure. get, that they go behind the defense and get a goal, right? And Giassi nearly scored. Uh, on the one play, and but yeah, I, I think that's what you want to see from a ten, as opposed to like what we said in the last the last game with Labolka being a safe type player. As a ten, you got to be the one to kind of be the playmaker and set things up, and you know, hopefully, we see a step forward with Bal- uh, Baldanzi this year. I do want to see more of uh, Steven Spendi, mm, uh, yeah. who came on as a substitute. I, I like I like the energy he brought. Maybe in the next game that he gets the start over uh, Consiglieri. Yeah. Um, so we'll uh, we'll have to see how that develops. I don't know who, who got to look at look and see who Eppley has next. I mean, Paolo Zanetti will set his teams up to not. I mean, he has this background about him. He'll he'll set his teams up to not give up anything. Yeah, you know, or to try to take it away from you. They'll try. They go to Monza next week. So um, interesting. Yeah, bit of a challenging game for them. But then they host Juventus, and then they're at Roma, and then they host Inter. Uh, so I don't know what Empoli's ownership did to piss off the <laughs> ranking officials at City A, but oh my gosh, they must have done something. So, but those are my takeaways from Empoli. Yeah. Um, Hellas Verona, I'm going to call it right now. I don't think they score 30 goals this season. There's 38 games. Yeah, it's going to be hard to hard to find out like where it comes from. You know, Bonazzoli is going to get some. I mean, I'm looking maybe 10 to 12 for Bonazzoli if the team I don't is know, maybe, finding, if they're I, finding him. If Bonitz yeah. only has eight with what he's got, what he's got playing around him, that's that's going to be an achievement. He's the kind of player that you know he can just poach up in games and it gets his goals every now and then. I mean, we've seen what he's done over the years. It's like he's been on teams with no talent and finds ways to just show up at the right place, right time, and get a goal. Right? 
Uh, I, so I, I expect some of that again, you know, this year. But yeah, you look at the lineup for them, and it's like, who's going to really help them? And Jones, and Gonge, you know, is a guy who we, we like, but can he help them out? I don't know. Is he going to be? Is he going to be there? He might be gone before the window shuts too. Yeah, Andre Duda is a guy I've, I've liked for a long time, but you know, he's shades of himself what he was, you know, five years ago even. Um, so you know, that would be the guy I'd probably look towards and and try to helping him out. But I mean. It's and that's still, a big problem for Hellas Verona if that's who you're looking to for creativity. Yeah. yeah. Um, the the only other guy from the looks of it from everybody that played is Sapunata, and he's you know yeah. There's a reason Fiorentina didn't want him anymore. Yeah. So he's um, got he's got he, he's got a little bit of touch every now and then. He's like what well, you know he's good for a good play here and there, and so maybe that's where Bolanzola gets his Bolanzola gets his goals or you know. Or even Embula, or who who knows else what they can do. But yeah, thirty goals that might be that might be a stretch there. You know, this year we'll see unless they start finding a way and they start clicking. It's right. an important win for Hellas Verona, but it's not oh, going to sure. change my opinion of them. I still think they drop. Um, and I, st- I I think Empoli gets this corrected enough to avoid it. Yeah. Um. So. Um. I mean, and I, I Empoli probably deserved to get something out of this game. In all honesty, I mean, I know that you know. Yeah, but um, no goals. Yeah, I mean they did. They just come up any empty-handed. But I, you know, over time, I, I, I can I can see them figuring this out. I think the quality's there. Uh, so, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, moving on to Inter and Monza. This was a kind of a bogey opponent for Inter last year. Monza, uh, you know, B and G were uh, all about trying to take points off of the teams that were challenging Milan. Yeah, uh, for top four. So um, they were. Or a thorn in the side, and it was probably a personal derby for for Galliani, uh, you know, at Inter. Um, there was some, well, I guess there was some there there was some interesting occasions before that. Bobby Gags and D'Ambrosio now suiting up for for Monza and yeah. uh, and 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 getting gifts from just that <laughs> getting gifts from Zanetti before the game and kind of a little ceremony and kind of a yeah. parting gift or a hey, thank you for being part of our our squad. Um, So we talked about, we had one couple Yeti contender getting in with the brace. The other one, my pick, Latara Martinez braces here in the two nil win, got one from uh, Denzel Dumfries after some really good pressing from Inter, it has to be said. Um, And then Marco Anatovic, I still say Anatovic shot that. Um, And it was just weak, but he's going to get the assist. Um, uh, He's going to get the assist. I mean, it was a, um, it was your typical Inter. It was, okay, they're not going to have the ball more than the other team's going to, but they're going to try to create out of forcing you into the mistakes and countering. And they got off they got off 22 shots, but only three on target. But um, let me start with Inter. In, in this game in particular, and we'll see if this is something that becomes a trend, but Inzaghi really mixed up Inter in, in, in terms of Moments when they pressed, and then moments when they when they let Monza have the ball and sit back, and they 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 mixed it up a little bit. I mean, to the point where I think they confused Monza, and I think what was impressive yeah. sorely in the season one game in, and I know a lot of these guys have played together. Um, to be able to do that right off the bat in your first game of the season, that says something. Yeah, no, for sure, and I think uh, you know the trigger pressing that Inzaghi you know put install in this game. Yeah, it, it confused Monza, and Monza's a team. This is always going to be a scrappy game between against Monza because Monza gave everybody fits last year. However, you know it was a fairly straightforward game for Inter because, like you said, the the trigger pressing, 
caused them chaos and they they made some un uh, unforced errors that they normally wouldn't make uh granted yeah into our better club than monza but still you know i think the way that inzaghi has his team ready it's a testament to him obviously right and then yeah a lot of the players are core players and but they do have some new players in there and they seem to be like fit in almost like a glove right arnatovich looked like he belonged um and some of the other guys that they had that, that, that started Sommer had a little bit of blip in the game, you know, had little hands. Again, shaky first game, right? But he's a solid goalkeeper. Yeah. Uh, for, for those who aren't, don't know who Jan Sommer is, he's a fantastic keeper. He's a great at penalties also, just in case you ever get to give up any penalties, right? And Derby did not have or something. But, uh, yeah, I think it, uh, the way Inzaghi set his team up was, was great. And I think, you know, having a guy like Nico Barella who really kind of general that that midfield today yeah i think a lot of players in that midfield there's no more brozovic anymore chalanolu's kind of like supplanted him as he uh as the uh the regista type player there but barella man just continues does what he does he, he by far had the most touches in the game i think of any team uh and so you know when you have all those pieces familiarity you have a way you want to play you got your you know your captain martinez you know getting in the right spot at the right time it just makes it easy for everybody else to kind of get acclimated to what they want and you know if you're if your captain and your best players are leading what the team should be doing in terms of pressing and stuff like that everyone's gonna follow suit this is how it works and so yeah inter came to play in there and they were ready love to see it um i i like the dynamic of the support striker we said last week said they, they finally land on arnautovic and this could really work you know, all the guys that they whiffed on and now they're going to get a guy that it might that it might actually work out for them. Yeah. Um, so but I like because they they bring their own unique qualities to to enter to Rob with his running, with his work ethic. I think Bonetti even alluded. He saw, you know, when when they got into more of lower blocks, when they were defending as a team, Tram was willing to get back and help, yeah. um, you know, plays with a lot of energy runs Arnautovic is kind of the bigger stronger target type that um you know Lotaro can play off of and yep. you know Arnautovic is that guy that you can find in the box which is great for a guy like DiMarco great for a guy like you know Quadrado when he's in the game and Dumfries when he's at the right wing back position so you know and I think that that just brings flex that just brings flexibility for Inter and Zaghi can look at the defense that he's up against and he can just say okay this game it's going to be Arnautovic because we can exploit this or th- this game it's going to be against Tehran because we can exploit it's going to be Tehran because we can exploit this so it's a very valuable asset to have yeah and and you know obviously they love to play the counterattack system and I think they could play two different styles of counterattack now because when you have Taram in there with Lautaro, they both can be going and taking the runs and trying to get behind the defenses. Whereas if Arnautovic is in there instead of Taram, he's more of the hold-up guy and then feeds it off to the runners, right? The runners are coming, whether it's Martinez, Bardella, whoever uh, that comes off, and he kind of he can springboard the uh, the counterattack hit that way. And Taram can be on the feeding end uh, when he's in there. So yeah, it's a little bit a little bit of a change of pace they can do depending on what opponents they play. Um, Taram had some good opportunities in the game early on. Didn't get a goal, obviously, but you know, yeah, he, he had some long runs too. He had some nice moves where he's going one on one. And I know I heard that the uh, the San Zero fans were going crazy every time he made those runs. Right? No, it's not Leal, but it, they haven't seen this kind of type of runs from their players in a long time. So um, once he gets acc- acclimated into the to the city, I think he's gonna do, he's gonna be just fine. Get his goals. He he sure. can, he, he can find the back of that for sure. He oh he has for and the Bundesliga for years. So uh, I'm not worried about that. And I think. You know all the all the new additions. He all the key ones in particular. He Arnautovic and Jan Sommer are going to be just key players for for Inter going down uh, the season. So, yep, agreed. Um, 
I, I still have questions about Inter's ability to handle being pressed because Monza didn't do it. Yeah, um, and we have seen Inter get the, into trouble against teams that press them. Yeah, um, you know, so that's something that we have to keep an eye out for for future games for Inter. If, if teams want to come out and and put them under a little bit, um, how do they respond to that, and can they have an answer for it? Uh, so I think. Out of that overall performance against Monza, that's the biggest question I walk away with when I look at Inter. I mean, can you still deal with a team that presses you? You know, um, because in the past that's an area that they've struggled with. Uh, and and can you can you win games comfortably when you have superiority in possession? I think that's still a question. I think Inter still likes to be a counter team, yeah. uh, and I think that this is a pretty easy team to analyze because we've seen so much sample of this crowd of players it's just it's okay the the goalkeeper and you made some comments about summer and then the support striker that's really all that's changed with this team and it's going to be a i think it, see anana did so much with his footwork right that really alleviated the pressure so when there was pressure having a guy like an onana or a manion those guys who were good with their feet could pass the ball break up the press summer is not as good as onana in that respect and so yeah they're gonna be difficult to that and like last year we said with same thing we said with napoli we're like we don't know how good Napoli are until they've, they've beaten some teams that are, are legit teams, right? We won't know how good Inter are against the press, this this iteration of the team, until they play some team who will press them, right? When they play with Madonina or a Napoli uh, or even a Lazio or Roma, when they get when they play in those kind of games, we'll know how they how they handle defensively. But, you know, it, it's Monza. Monza was a tricky team, so it's, it's a good result to have against them because this could have very easily been a game where they slipped up and, I predicted a 2-1 game. It was, it was 2 nothing. It was close. It was scrappy, but Inter, Inter got it done, and Lartaro Martinez was the uh, the beneficiary of the two goals, so good for them. I, I really couldn't make an early conclusion about Monza. It's really – I mean, that's a tough fixture Yeah, yeah. right off the bat, at, yeah. you know, Inter away. Um, I, I need to see more of them. Um, you know, for, I'll, I'll go through a few things that I saw. I, this sounds crazy. For as much fun as we have with him, but Gallardini played pretty well. Yeah. Um, you know, Inter, Inter fans are worried he and D'Ambrosio were going to score against them. <laughs> <laughs> well, as they should be. Mm. Um, yeah. But I thought he had a composed performance in the midfield. I think he he helped his team keep the ball. Didn't give much away cheaply. He he made some vital tackles. He won the ball. He didn't do anything. You know, every time you saw Gagliardini on the pitch for Inter, he was a card waiting to happen. But he didn't. Yep. He didn't defend recklessly. He 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 was clean. Um, and maybe this is maybe it's an environment change for him to come to a place like Monza, where we'll have to see. Maybe it's just because playing against Inter, playing against his old team, there's some motivation to to do things. But maybe there was an issue of okay surplus at Inter. So when he did get his opportunities, he's pressing and he's committing that clumsy foul or he's getting sent off for this, you know, um, because he's not playing to what he's, he's comfortable doing because he knows the, you know, he's, he's pressing because he knows that at some point he's off Brozovic is in or, or, or Mkhitaryan's in or somebody like that or Varela. So, so I, 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 I had, I had pretty positive notes on him uh, from this game. Yeah. My concern is who finishes for this team. Um, Maric was a ghost. They brought on Mota, who was average last year. 
But you've got yeah. playmaking guys. You've got Piscina. You've got Caprari. They got to replace Carlos Augusto. Kyriakopoulos is a guy that's got the ability. Yeah. Um, Chioria is good on the right. Colpani. Pyman. Pitania, he can score. Yep. Pyman. So. Pyman didn't get on the pitch here. He is, no. No. He's still. He's a little too fat. Um. <laughs> he's got to get. He's got to get. He's got to train a little more. So. Hanging out with us too much, I guess. Well, yeah. You know, I mean. <laughs> We, we we eat good food, so right. That's right. Um, that's only natural that that's going to happen to you. I think it's going to um, be you know Patania or Patania Piscina is going to be the guy who's going to really have to be the guy who's the the playmaker of this team. Him lining up against Gagliardini only only helps Gagliardini right where he's less he has to worry about. Piscina is going to be the the guy, the general. As if Nico Barella is the 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 general for Inter, it's going to be Piscina for for Monza, and so. Yeah, Monza, they're going to have to be, find ways to get creative, and it's going to be a uh, all hands on deck in terms of goals. You know, we talked about Hellas is in a similar situation. Yeah, you got Caprati and some other guys, but like, who's going to step up and really take the rings of, of the goal scoring weight of this team? It's to be determined right now, but you can very well bet that Piscina's going to have his hands in all of this. So, uh, it's, however, he can get those guys open and, and find a way to set these players up and, and put them in the best position possible is going to be the way that Monza is going to be successful. Yeah, we'll see. Best case, 11th. Worst case, 14th, in my opinion, for them. I mean, yeah, they're just going to be one of those teams, you know. Yeah, I don't um, see a top 10 again this year. Last year no. was you know, a great season, but they lost some key pieces. That's going to be hard to fill that, those voids, and, right? And I think some teams around them got better that yeah. it's going to be hard for them to, to yeah. overcome that. So, yeah. you know, the, the, the fun part about Genoa being back in City R, Richard, was that whenever they got together with Fiorentina, there were goals. And I guess it was no different. On Saturday, so tell us about it. Oh my gosh, Fiorentina. Where are my notes? Where did I put my notes? Um, my goodness, there it is. There it is. All right. So yeah, this game. I, I thought there's gonna be goals too. I, I thought it was gonna be like two-two game, just because I like the moves that Genoa did this year, uh, this offseason so far. I also like the move. We talked about this. You like the moves that Fiorentina made, right? They got a guy named Zola that is yeah. gonna have a breakout year this year. But uh, good, good start to this game. Um, Fiorentina are they they were they were cooking right and the guy who was feeling it the most I think early on was uh Conor McGregor I mean uh Biragi yeah right? Biragi in the fifth minute scores a wonderful goal right it's a goal of the week candidate and then he just goes with his stuff like he's the shit like 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 Conor McGregor so yeah good on him I guess he'll score often enough he's gonna get it but assist by Enzola worth mm-hmm. note right uh he's gonna be involved a lot in the offense this year Early one off the lead, great, great for them, right? And then they followed up what a couple minutes later with uh, Bonaventura being, you know, being opportunistic, opportunistic in, in the six yard box, gets a goal past uh, the keeper, two nothing, and like, okay, yeah, here we go, they're good, they're good. Uh, and then Nico Gonzalez gets a nice goal in the 40th minute, three nothing lead at halftime. You're like, whoa, okay, well, okay, maybe General is not ready for this. I don't know. Uh, coming out of the break, Mandragora scores. It's 4 nothing. You're like, okay, what's going on here? What's wrong with Genoa? Uh, they did get one back from Biraski, but, I mean, really, it was what it was is a team that was really prepared. Obviously, their manager did a fantastic job, Vincenzo Italiano. We talked about how how great he was last year. If not for Spalletti, he probably would have been manager of the year. Um, and this team was ready. He he got his new pieces ready. He got the – most of the people – most of the players who started were the core from last year. You got a guy in Zoli, put him in the right position. He's just going to do so well this year with with Inzaghi, obviously with the assist early on, and then just being a factor in the game. And I know everyone wants to say like, "Hey, four one victory over Genoa, they're they're going to be a team to watch out this year." And they could be. They they're a good team. They were a good team coming into this year. 
there's some good teams around them in front of them in, in the table. But this is a good performance. I, I, I did think this is a game where Genoa maybe could have you know, caught Fiorentina by surprise. It did not happen. Not at all. It was the opposite, really, where Fiorentina came out flying and three goals in the first half. That's an ideal start for Vincenzo Italiano, I think, and uh, not the ideal start for Gilardino. This is the deepest team Vincenzo Italiano's ever had to work with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it starts there. I mean, I, 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 I love the double pivot of Mandragora and Arthur. Yeah, oh, th- those um, two guys are so good today. Yeah, they look like they've been playing together for ten years, and I think that was their first. Well, that was their first game together. No, Mandragora was always getting bounced around. Like he was owned by Juve for such a long time, and yeah. and, and Arthur was there for that. They were. I don't think they were ever together. He was in the Genoa uh, Academy too at one point. Yep, yep. So, um, so yeah, so some motivation there, surely. Um, yeah, certainly, the, certainly what Enzola brings in terms of a target, in terms of a reference point with all of the playmaking behind him uh, is is certainly helpful. Um, and then you had uh, Beltron who made his made, – he didn't get, didn't get to play a lot, so we'll have to learn a little bit more as we go. Um, but you can bring in a guy like Duncan off the bench. You can bring in Sotil off the bench. These are serviceable yeah. Serie A guys. You know, where you go to Fiorentina's bench, and that's where it got shaky the last couple of years under – under Italiano, this is a much deeper team. This is the deepest team Italiano's ever had. Um, but a few things that I, I I will just play devil's advocate on with sixty eight percent possession. I'd like to see more than nine shots. Yeah. Um, you know, kept it a lot, great, but you know, scored four. I mean, hell, if you were more ruthless, you would have scored eight. Because I'll tell you what about this Genoa team. Here's my notes. Way too stretched defensively. There's no compactness whatsoever with this team. There's no, no cover whatsoever with this team. Um, and I don't – I can't think of a free ball or a second ball that Genoa won that maybe that mattered, but just overall over the course of the 90 minutes. I mean, yeah. I, they didn't put up a fight. No. So, I mean, people are losing their mind over Fiorentina, and one paid guy says Fiorentina are going to be a problem this year. Genoa gave up three goals to Modena last week in the Coppa Italia with the same fucking team they put out. Don't start talking that stupid shit. Okay? To be fair, to be fair, I mean, if, if, you, if you consider a European place a problem, then yeah, you know, they were last year, right? Oh, I don't mind that, but don't sit here and, like, start coronating them. I mean... This Genoa team doesn't defend, doesn't even look like they're interested in defending. Um, so it's actually, I actually want to blast Fiorentina for only scoring four and only shooting nine times in 90 it's, minutes. It's obvious that their their play is going to go down the left-hand side, and it shows it here in the chart on the right here, where the play is going to go through Arthur, Madragora, and, and Biragi. Biragi is yeah. obviously a key player for them in getting the crosses and stuff like that. So they're going to need to find ways to get more goals and, and kind of spread the love a little bit more. I think if you focus too much on the left-hand side, the good teams, really good teams, are going to be able to shade you to that side, block it off, and then what can you do? A lot of missed opportunities here because I, I agree with you. I think Fiorentina should have scored more goals against Genoa. This Genoa team was not ready for this game, and Fiorentina should have had more goals. Now, granted, maybe it went up 3 nothing at halftime and said, you know what, let's just not get hurt. Let's see the game out, not give up any goals. That could happen, right? Uh, I saw a little bit with that with Juventus. But you still should get put more goals away, right? If you want to make a statement in, in, in this league, the first game, you know, to the rest of the, 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 the seven sisters, just pound some goals away and, and really be like, oh, okay, this team is legit. But, you know, 
good performance for them, but it's nothing like I'm not going to call him a Scudetto contender at this point. Give me last year's Napoli team against that Genoa that performed that way. Seven goals. Ten. Ten. Yeah. They yeah. scored ten. Yeah. I, that, I mean, I, listen, I think Fiorentina is going to be really good this season. But let's not get carried away. They still only shot the ball nine times. So they were they were brutally efficient because they scored four. All right. Yep. But and that's, that's just my other point that and I said this on Twitter. Really nice Fiorentina. Do this against somebody with a pulse. Okay. Do this against a seven sister. Um a seven sister team. I wonder- that's that's the only that's the reason why I'm pumping the brakes and everybody else was excited about how they did and all this other stuff. But let's remember Genoa had to outlast Modena in the Coppa Italia last week and gave up three to them. So this should have been, this should have been, I mean, it was kind of, I mean, in the end, it's kind of child's play for Fiorentina and maybe I'm being a bit aggressive about this, but at the same time, if you're that good, if you're that good, seven, eight, especially with the team you put out there, your comment about the the, the play down the left with Bidagi, Mandragora, that kind of thing. I think as we evolve here, if teams key in on that, they're going to get punished because of Nico Gonzalez on the right. Yep. So yep. Fiorentina has the kind of balance. Okay, this game, it happened to be effective down that side. Next game, it's going to be, okay, we'll reel you in here, we'll swing it around, and then you're going to have Nico Gonzalez 1v1. Okay. That's what they uh, want. Or uh, uh, the, the the fellow that played um, right back, uh, Coyote. Yeah. Um, coming around, he, he's useful. Um, you know, so I think that Italiano's got this team. Today it just happened to be, I think it was one of those where it happened to be on the left, or yesterday, I should say. Yeah. I can't find a positive thing about Genoa. I, I yeah. friend, friend, friend rip's okay. Um, Bedell is getting old. Um, Torsby wasn't great for Sampdoria. I don't think he'll be great for Genoa. Yep. So, well, not great. I mean, that's harsh, but he was meh for Sampdoria. Yeah. I don't think he'll be more than that for Genoa. Um, part, of, part of me wants to think too, like that, you know, Vincenzo Togliano is obviously, he knows how to, how, the, how this team hums, right? He got his team, you know, competing on three fronts last year very well. So part of me wants to think that after he went up three nothing, he said, Hey, Let's let's go into like defensive mode and just practice defensive work, not giving up anything. Let them have the ball if they want the ball. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to give up anything. We're just going to play stout defense and see how we get a practice in the defensive defensive mode for the rest yeah. of the remainder of the game. And that's that's why I'm thinking part of why they didn't get any more goals. Uh, didn't really need to have. The, I mean, like I said, they were efficient. Once they once they got the goals, they're like, you know what? Let's just lock up shop. You know, not many managers in in City are will you know run up the score. You know, Napoli, Napoli and, and Lazio they will, but uh, not many teams will. And so, a part of me wants to think that Italiano just said, you know, let's pull the reins back, let's just conserve ourselves and be smart, and see what we can do defensively to kind of like just close this, see this thing out from the last forty five minutes. And we'll, well, we'll see. I mean, we'll see in several weeks how how the Fiorentina team shapes out. They're talented. They are they're, they're deep. Uh, but what can they do? This isn't this isn't a game that's like, oh, hey, they're a team to beat. No, they're not. It's just like- I yeah, second half to your point from from looking at it again. I mean, yeah, they played a little keep away, um, and they, they probably could afford to. I can I can walk off that a little bit, but I believe in being you know. Oh, for sure, cutthroat. That's, be cutthroat. that's 
If that's Pep's Man City, do you think he's just saying, "Hey, play keep away for"? The-? Yeah, no. Another yeah. team, another team did that, and they did that today. We'll talk about them a little bit later on. And we've seen this league so many times. It doesn't matter how many goal lead you have if you take put your foot off the brake and all you need is one goal the other way, and the momentum swings and anything can happen. You can have a three, four goal lead. Anything can happen. So you got to be careful. Yeah, it's Genoa, yeah. but still, you know, you got to be careful of these kind of things. That's why I'm like with you. Be cutthroat about it. Get more goals. You know, make it just put them out of their misery, right? You know, so I want to see more of that from Fiorentina this year, meaning being cutthroat versus what we saw you know, this weekend. Yep. Yep. Well, we entered the Sunday games and we entered the theme of uh, players who did not score last year that scored today. Um, <laughs> and we start with Roma against Salernitana. And uh, the first person we're going to talk about is Andrea Bellotti. Um, First goal was called back, I believe, was for offside. Yep. In the ninth minute. And then he he gets a good one here, as assisted by Diego Lorente. Um, Antonio Candreva gets a brace for Salernitana. Um, and through 49 minutes, uh, they lead. Um, uh, let's see here. They lead 2 1. And then uh, it is uh, on a corner, Bolotti in the 82nd minute from Paredes. Uh, to get a point here for Roma and uh, make it 2-2. Um, I'll start with Roma. I, th- th- to me, this is incomplete because no Pellegrini, no Dybala, no Abraham. Um, but still rescue a point. I think if there's maybe there's some comfort in that, okay, Belotti scoring again. We can depend on him if Abraham's hurt. But it's one game. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, you know, so he makes amends. I mean, your thoughts on that? I mean, to is it is it worrying to be sharing points with Salernitana despite losing Pellegrini, Dybala, and Abraham, or is it hey, we we played a pretty decent Salernitana team, split points with them uh, without three of our key guys? You know, honestly, I think that's you're, you're at home. If this was at Salernitana, I think that's yeah, it's a fine result. But you're yeah. at a home. And yeah, Cadreva scored some great goals in this game. Two great goals. One was really, you know, maybe goal of the week, honestly. But they looked like they were lifeless. Roma were. They, I, I saw nothing from them. I mean, I, I, yeah, you want to give credit to Serenitana and Paulo Souza's men. However, I think I want to see Roma. If Roma wants to contend for a top four, and if they have this their sights on maybe even Scudetto, they got to show more of these types of games. Um, I saw one of the uh, one of the content creators, Roma Theory, talking about how like. You know, they always kick themselves on why they miss out on top four or whatever. It's because of games like this where they should have had the points to get the win and they draw it at home, right? It wasn't until 65th minute where you started seeing the substitutions come on. Karzerp, Zalewski, Renato Sanchez, Paredes. I thought the last two in particular, yeah, even, even Zalewski, um, once they came on, they were immediate impacts on the team. And all of a sudden, Roma seemed like they woke up at that time. Uh, and obviously, you're trying to get your goal down at that point, but... Roma really came alive, and it, this is the Roma I was looking forward to seeing at the beginning of the game, not 65 minutes in. And so it took them a while to get their mojo going. And you know, obviously, you're, you're trying to get a goal at this point, and Salernitana are backing off. You know, trying to keep their lead, but they seemed lifeless for a majority of the game. And, and finally, they started going, getting their opportunities, opportunities, uh, got the goal, and then I thought maybe they could have had a chance to win it at the end. But um, I got to see more from Roma. And yeah, they were missing some key players in this in this team, in particular DiBala, right? But Still, you got you're at home against Salernitana. I know they were difficult last year, especially at the end of the season. Uh, they figured things out, but 
you got to get a win at home. And opening match day against a team like this, they're gonna they're gonna be kicking themselves for a draw, honestly. I mean, Salerni Town has certainly played the second half to try to get the three points and get the hell out of there after Condraven made it two one. Yeah. Um. You know, and I. It might be easy to. I mean, when you look at the Roma that you got to go up against, you you could have got away with it. I mean, you just lost your concentration on the set yeah. piece. It's a great goal by Belotti. Yeah. Um. I have concerns that Roma still have issues in terms of just certain moments when in, when they defend individually, the lapses in concentration are still there. Um, the two, both goals that got conceded by, I mean, great goals for Salerno Town, great goals, but I mean, wonder goals. And then the, the second goal by Condreva is the goal of the week for me yeah. uh, with his left foot. Um, but for me, this should be, you know, a guy like Condreva shouldn't be at his age and his experience. And uh, who was it on that side? It was Laurent. I think it was Lorente on that side. Yeah. Um, shouldn't be able to cut in on you and finish. Um, Smalling should not be beaten 1v1 by Condreva. Condreva is not a dribbling. Although I'll say this. I, I like this role for him for Salernitana. He loves playing against Roma too. Yeah, and, and that's it. He's a Lazio guy. So, yeah, so naturally. But I thought there was some some clumsy lapses in concentration from an individual's defending standpoint, and we see this happen a lot with Roma. Yeah. And, and I think – And I don't think that's changed. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, you know, credit to Salernitana. I mean, you can see how compact they were. They're on the right-hand side. See how compact they were against Roma – uh, in the second half at the bottom, they, they even dropped even further back defensively. But it yeah. wasn't until the second half where Roma really started using the wide play to their advantage, and that's where they started opening up and taking more chances. First half, they were they were playing too narrow, uh, and that's where the, none of the opportunities were. They weren't getting as many opportunities as they should have. But again, when those key players came in at the 65th minute, they started playing more with more width uh, and really you know causing Salernitana a little bit of duress, I guess, for the last you know 30 minutes or so, 25 minutes. So... Kudos to Salernitana ultimately because look how compact they were, especially in the second half. They said, "You know what? Let's bring it. We're gonna lock up shop, like you said. See this game out." Uh, and you, and they had they they could risk it with you know some of the key guys for Roma out, but um, Roma need to do more of this. What they did in the second half, the whole entire game, not just you know at the end of the game when they're losing. They got to do it from the beginning. If they start with a with a, a mentality where they want to attack, 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 they they'll be successful. And I know that's not typical Mourinho, but. When you're in a, a game where you are the favorite, it should be. Mm-hmm. You know, I get it when you're playing the big dogs, but when you're playing a team that you you're a clear favorite over, you need to find a way to be the uh, on the attacking uh, onus and and really put the team on their heels and put them out of the misery right away. And these are the average positions of all the players, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. Our novice, uh, our novice City on sit down viewers are going to look at these second half things and say, "Really, they can play with 14, 15 guys out there?" <laughs> <laughs> Well, some of those were the, well, the ones in yellow. The ones in yellow are substitutes, I yes, think. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely, so absolutely. yeah, that's up <laughs> so, right there. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really good. That's really good. That's great stuff. But you could see, I mean, you could see how compact Salerno Town played. I mean, yeah. not even doesn't even hold a candle to how stretched Genoa played. How stretched Fiorent yeah. or Frosinone play. Yeah, um, you know, or, or find themselves so. 
you know, Salernitana does a nice job of making Roma predictable. Probably should have been able to steal the three points here, but Roma, I mean, great, great cross by Paredes, great goal by Belotti to tie it. Um, so I, I think Roma laps enough still where it's going to cost them points. That's something they're going to have to overcome as the season goes on. Um, the rotation of midfielders are interesting. I thought, I thought Renato Sanchez, when he went in there, put in a good shift. Um, yeah, but uh, on the Salernitana side, love Kondreva's new ro- new new role. Love that. Love playing him on, seeing him on the left, where you're not swinging him out wide. Um, I mean, it, it, what is he like? Seventy years old. You're gonna put him as a wing back and deal with the pace. Like put him on the right side for Salernitana. You play Milan, and he's got to track track back with Teo Hernandez. It's not happening. So well, it was, it was I like too. Yeah. What's that? It was smart too because he started out in the left where he got his obviously goal in the beginning, and then in the second half he or later that half he he went over to the right hand side and got his opportunity there, and so that just yeah. shows that he is a talented player, right? He scored both both feet. He's, that that wonder goal, which was the goal of the week, you know, arguably, um, he did it with his weakest foot, right? Yeah. So I mean, this guy can play anywhere, and, and so learning to not use it to their advantage. Kudos to them. That's Paulo Souza right there, and. uh just finding ways to use the best players and, and get them in the right spots, even without Buladia starting. Yeah. Um, like these – yeah, and they're, they're going to need Dia. Yeah. Um, you know, so we'll we'll see how that goes because, uh, for me, Bowtime doesn't cut it uh, as, as a striker and not – even in this league. Um, so, I mean, that was 88 minutes of – what did he even do? <laughs> <laughs> 12 touches, 8 out of 10 accurate passes, didn't even shoot. He had one dribble attempt, and he got it taken away from him. Mm. Um, he didn't win any aerial duels. He didn't win any ground duels. Uh, he probably just stayed out. He did probably just stood out there and waved to his mother. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, you're out there for 88 minutes. Do so- Foul somebody. I mean... <laughs> Yeah. This is I mean this stat line Eric Eric Bowtime this is the equivalent of picking your ass for on the soccer pitch and not you know I could do that. I mean shit. I'm going to call Salernitana. I was like, dude, I'm 48 years old on one knee. I could do more than what your <laughs> what your uh number 11 did against Roma. Uh, Pay me. I'll get out there. <laughs> so Maybe maybe oh, maybe about a credit goes to Mancini though. Mancini, you know, shut him down and gave him no no opportunity versus you know just you know who knows exactly. We'll see more of these. Guys. How, how about some? How about how about maybe the, uh, you got Ed, this is a good one for you. This might have been the most anticipated game of the week, uh, or at least of the weekend of the Saturday and Sunday games. Uh, Sassuolo and Atalanta. Yeah, uh, we got to see our boy CDK over there at Atalanta. Uh, the game. Started- That's another reason why I'm drinking tonight. By the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talk about <laughs> talk about guys who did score last year and scored this year. Uh, we just talked about Belotti with Roma, CDK, which we'll get to in a second. But this two teams here, Atalanta is a team who last year kind of found a new defensive mold uh, at times. Uh, they could they prove that they can play defensive or they can play. They still have the attacking ability when they want to. Sassuolo. They are your fun, bad team where they can score a lot of goals and they give up a lot of goals. This had the potential of being one of those high-scoring games. It wasn't. It was more than you know a defensive game, but there were still opportunities in this game. Um, no goals to speak of in the first half. There were some close opportunities, a nice little set-piece play uh, by Loriente and company. I think Loriente and Defrel early in the early in the first half. 
uh, where Lorientica took a shot off. Musso, Musso had some big saves in this game. Good to see him back on, on good form. Um, but yeah, you know, both teams, you know, exchanging opportunities. Zapata, rumors, is he going to Roma? Is he not? Uh, had a chance to really like solidify his spot in, in the starting lineup and had a couple of chances, but nothing, nothing really great. Uh, Coop Miners is obviously going to be the guy who's going to be pulling the strings in this game. He has, he's got some good opportunities in the first half. Second half comes on. We had a couple substitutions there. The Catalada came on for Zapata. Apostolic came on for Ederson. Uh, Ederson, who I liked, uh, who I liked here in this game, uh, as well as CDK. CDK didn't look like anything like the player we saw at Milan last year. Uh, immediate impact in this game. I think he had one of the highest scoring opportunities at this game. I think three or four chances, um, good chances in this game. Uh, but game went off for several minutes after he came on. Good, good opportunities. Looked like Atalanta was coming or coming in waves. Finally, uh, after a couple misses by De Catalare, he gets a header, gets a goal. Looked like it was saved there by by um, by uh, good old John Ham, looking like uh, <laughs> uh, Consili, but. Goal line judge came in fact right away. Goal ball crossed over the line. CDK gets the goal. First goal in Serie A. Uh, obviously, the whole team uh, loves to see that. And you know, assisted by Ruggieri. Ruggieri with a great, uh, a great cross into the box to get him that pass. Uh, and then they would score another, another goal. Uh, what's his name? Um, Zortea. Nice goal from distance and stoppage time. But Atalanta, it was a, a defense, almost not a defensive masterclass. They had Sassuolo had their chances, but Musso, Musso was, looked very good in this game. 2-0 victory for Atalanta, a game where, as you said, many eyes were on this to be the, the entertaining game of the weekend. It was still entertaining, just wasn't the goal fest that maybe we were hoping for. Atalanta showing that, hey, you know, we have no European uh, play this year. You have to keep an eye out for us, and we'll see if the Sassuolo result is, a, is an indicator how the season will go. But, you know, for them, their new boys, Zortea and uh, the Catalare, and Ederson all look good in this game, I think, in the second half. And so, yeah, it's uh, maybe a good sign for Atalanta. What are your thoughts on this game, uh, the, the quote-unquote supposedly game of the weekend? Uh, here's something where I'm locked in lockstep with Bonetti on, uh, with Atalanta. They, we always said Atalanta doing Atalanta things. And and, yeah. and when they really did them, it's when their wingbacks were productive. And I think yeah. that the play of their wingbacks last year and maybe even the year before it dropped off, um, I thought Zappacosta, Ruggeri, both going forward, looking good, putting pressure on, on Sassuolo. Mm -hmm. Ruggeri getting the assist for the Decatelada goal, and then uh, Zortea scoring. So when the wingbacks are part of the production, Atalanta's really, really good and really, really dangerous. Um, yeah. We saw that We saw that here today. Um, could be a sign of things to come. You got Cup Miners doing some playmaking, Anderson doing some playmaking. Decatelare may have a resurrection to the chagrin of us Milanisti. Okay. Yeah. And then there's no shortage of strikers. It's a shame that El Bilal Ture is, is out for a while here with the injury. That yeah. would have been nice to see him showcased here. But you still have Zapata. You still have Lookman. Um, you still have some guys there. They, obviously, they sold Hoyland. So, you know, it, it almost feels like they can constantly interchange their strikers and still be productive up there. Um, so that's the – but that was the biggest takeaway I had. I think the performance of the wingbacks, Zapacosta, Ruggeri, uh, and then Zotera, Zotera when he came in to score the second goal. And I like the role for Kolasinac. Um, I yeah. think he brings a veteran presence. Oh, for sure. 
to Jim City, to uh, Scalvini, to Loy when he's going to be in there. Um, he doesn't have to be bothered with going forward and making darting runs, and he's in a position where he can still come forward and do some dangerous things on that left foot. So um, so I like how they're using him. I think it's very smart how they're using Kolasinac, too, in, in, in the framework of the team. So great start for Atalanta. And I think, you know, this heat map kind of shows it. I mean, it clearly shows Atalanta on the right-hand side where they were using the width. There's the wingbacks coming into play, and they're really using their width to their advantage. But, you know, Sassuolo did the same, similar things to, you know, that – not to discount that they, you know, they played badly in this game. They played well. You know, even you know guys like Vigna and Tolian, and and they they used the width to their advantage as well. It's just that Atalanta were better defensively than, than Sassuolo were. Musso obviously came up with some big saves, but Atalanta clearly are going back to this wing back, you know, big wing back strategy. And with the talent that they have in their on their team and Gasparini's system, this is to their advantage every time. Whether they play a def- more defensive style play or an attacking style. Is getting their oppositions to get stretched out to open up these pockets in the middle, so their guys like Coop Miners can come in, or Zapata, or whomever uh, can get it, and, and especially Pasolich, right? Uh, these guys get in the middle and get, get their opportunities to score goals. Uh, and so glad to see Atalanta is going back to this because uh, it's going to make them even more dangerous, no matter yeah. what kind of style of football they play. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Sassuolo side, uh, noteworthy that Berardi is not in the lineup or on the bench. Might be going um, north. Might be going north. Yep. Might be going where there's mountains. <laughs> um, new names defensively, but nothing changed. I mean, Sassuolo still give up a lot of big chances. Um, yeah. They're just going to have to outscore teams to have a ch- have a chance in this thing. Um, you know, that's that that's the one takeaway. Well, we'll see what happens. You know, in the in the coming weeks, but. You know, against Atalanta, they just kind of felt they, they, they fell prey to him a little bit. Concilia had to make some saves. Um, the the loss of Fratesi is already felt. Yeah. Um, I know they signed a player. I just made a comment about him, too. Um, yeah, I remember last week you were talking about it, but I can't. Name escapes me. Yeah, that is that should just plug in and be the. Uh, and I think he was on Alkmaar. He was he was one of Reinders' teammates, um, but the name escapes me. Um, I'm sure somebody will will comment here on our on our X page or our Twitter page or whatever it's called now. So, um, but that's yeah, I, the, I, that's the guy that you know. Looking at his kind of what he did and his role on that team in the Eredivisie, um, will be you know be expected to plug in and do what Fratesi did. But I think that. You know, his presence in midfield was sorely sorely missed. Um, Maxim Lopez, I thought, performed fairly well. You know, he's going to be a, a key guy for them this he season. He was all right. Yeah. You know, goal line, he had a goal line block at one point as well. And most of the passes came through him. So I think he's going to be instrumental in this team, you know, finding the creativity, finding their width, uh, and getting the goal scoring, goal scoring opportunities is, you know, it's begins and starts with him it's very similar to mm-hmm. what we said earlier about Lobotka um, he is that transition guy and for his diminutive size he's gonna be relied to be doing what he does well well right this sounds stupid to say but he he's he's not gonna beat you with speed he's not he just he just can't but he, he can read the game very well get you know position on his opposition and then he has really good vision he always had even when his days when he was in Ligue 1, 
um, and finding those guys who are the playmakers, the Loriente, the DeFrells of the world, uh, fi- giving them the ball and let them go do their thing. That's that's going to be the key for Maxime Lopez. If he can do that successfully, Sassuolo can get some goals. Defensively, that's a different question, but at least on the offensive side, Maxime Lopez will contribute a lot, I think. Well, Sassuolo is next going to get rich off of Armand Loriente. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh man, is he still, he's a player. He he's oh. he's the I think he's the one guy that really gave Atalanta problems throughout the whole game. He's gonna I mean he we, we saw his we saw his quality last year. He's carrying over this year. Yeah. I mean, and if Berardi leaves and is going to Juventus, Loriante is gonna be dependent on to do a lot. Um yeah. you know, and the concern that I have with Sassuolo going forward is that if they don't get a replacement for Berardi before the window shut, and Defrel is just not the answer. Um Loriante could end up having a subpar season just because it's going to be so easy to key in on him. Yeah. It's going to be so easy to shade your shape over in his direction because while teams do that against Milan and Rafael Leal, he's got Teo Hernandez behind him. So, you know, there's, there's, there's extra dynamics that you had to deal that you have to deal with. Um, you know, where this, you're not, terribly worried about Matias Vigna getting around Loriente, yeah. you, you know, and, and creating more trouble on that, on that left-hand side. So, but Sassuolo is getting, I, that's the next guy they cash in on. I mean, no I problem, think no problem with uh, making that, uh, uh, making that declaration right now. And to your point about, you know, everyone's going to start shitting off on Loriente. I think DeFrell's emphasis on the right-hand side is going to have to be that much greater where he's going to have to have be a bigger impact than he has been. And, you know, by Rami coming over, that's the guy, you know, who he he, he did well, really well last year. And now he comes over to Sassuolo and, and yeah. filling that 10th spot. He should be able to create a lot of opportunities here for them. But, again, Loriente is going to get a lot of attention, as he should, because he's a fantastic player. But by Rami and DeFrell are really going to have to set up Pinamonti a lot more and make themselves multi-dimensional versus just a one one trick pony because teams will figure out Loriente is good and then shut him down, right? Napoli were so successful because they have every other if all their pieces are great, right? And you f- focus on one, they're going to beat you somewhere else, right? Osimhen yep. or Politano or wherever. Sassuolo don't have that. Atalanta are are capable where they can mix it up. They got so much talent all around. Gasparini mm-hmm. knows how to, to plug and play and move guys around, and everybody's successful. Sassuolo's got to figure out Dionisi. This is going to be a big season for him because mm-hmm. he cannot figure that out with the loss of Fratesi. It's going to be a short season for him. And yeah. so, you know, we like what he Dionisi brings to this to the league and to Sassuolo in particular because uh, he's is almost like a Deserbi disciple. But he's going to have to find a way to, to to wrinkle this up a little bit and and find a new find a new way for Sassuolo to ex- attack teams because, you know. Atalanta kind of figured them out in this game, and you know, we'll see. They gotta make some adjustments, but we'll see. I, I, I'm hoping Dionisi can remain because I have, you know, this is a, a manager that I, I have high sights on, and I, I expect a lot of out of him. So, yep. Yeah, to be determined. To be determined, but we'll see. But it's a Sassuolo team that uh, you're starting to see the beginning of a little bit of a drop off. It, it could get it, it could get bad. We'll see. Uh, we'll give this a few games and and, and see where they are at. Um, uh, moving on to the surprise of the weekend, uh, Lecce and Lazio. Um, questions being asked of Lazio. Are, are they ready to replace Sergei Milinkovic-Savic? Mm. Um, Lecce, we talked about last week, is perhaps possibly being a team that, after the downfall in the second half of last season, that could be ripe for relegation, the old second-season syndrome, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. Well, you know, nobody told these teams, and 
they have to play, and they went out and played. Um, a stunning result here for Le- Lecce. But we also made the comment last year. We said over and over and over again, Lecce is a very difficult fixture at Lecce yep. to go and get a result. And Absolutely. Lazio did not get a result. Uh, Chiri Mobile, as usual, scoring a goal for Lazio in the 26th minute, uh, played in by Luis Alberto. And then it was Lecce completely dominating the second half. Uh, chances, eh, maybe not so much possession, but just firing away like crazy. And it was the new boy we talked about him at the top of the program, Pontus Alnqvist, uh, scoring in the 85th minute. Uh, and then just two minutes later, Federico Di Francesco in the 87th, giving Lecce a 2-1 win over Lazio, the shock of the weekend. Um, let's start with the winners, Lecce. Okay, look, right, that that front three, Banda, Alnqvist, and Strafetza. Don't you dare play a high line against these guys, right? Strafetza was feasting all game long. He was trying to get a goal to captain for Lecce. Yeah, this team uh, and Banda. I feel like Banda played for Red Star. I could be wrong, but um, the name, the player reminded me of someone I've seen before. Anyway, the, the front the three. Scout. Yeah, the front three played very well in this game. You knew that Lecce was going to be dangerous early on in the game, especially because they're at home. You know, and I was thinking that as the game went on, just before obviously the two goals, that maybe Lazio got this right, but. Letting you know, you know, Lecce was going to attack because they're at home, they play so much better at home. And those three guys, those front three guys you talked about, they seem to have a chemistry with each other. They, they, this is the first time playing together this season, but they, they look so good together. Sarfetza is really trying to be the, the ringleader of this team, and um, he wanted to go so bad. It shows like the captain, the captain's armband means a lot to him because he's he came out. This is obviously one game, it's a small sample. But he looked good in this game. You know, he was going for he was going for goals. He was setting up his teammates. Uh, the three of them seemed to be working very well together. Obviously, Omkus got the was fortunate with to get that beautiful goal of all a goal we can at there uh, mm-hmm. to tie the game before De Francesco won it. But uh, yeah, I, I like what the front three do with what they what they did. And so uh, curious to see how they continue on the season. I want to see how they play on the road, but at yeah. home as last year they were very good. And so uh, good for them the way they came out of this game. Strafetza is eventually going to find work with another team and make some money. Yeah. Um, and Lecce is going to make some money off of him. Banda came, he bounced between the Israeli and the Russian leagues. Uh, and in Russia, he played for Arsenal Tula. Okay. Um, Israel, Israel, I think he was loaned out uh, to a couple teams out there. So that's kind of his background. Uh, Pontus Alnkovis came from uh, Pogon uh, um, with from the. Uh, Polish first division uh, played for Vitesse in the oh yeah Eredivisie, yep. um, and then was in the uh, Swedish league. And I did the, the team he played for escapes me. He so, can find the pockets, can he? I I thought he was useful. Look, I I think I think they got a gem here for next to no- I, and I think they got yeah. it for next to nothing. Um, you know, so I was really impressed with him. I thought the midfield is shaky, though. Uh, but, I mean, you're, you're going to be forgiven here. You're playing against Lazio, even without Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. Luis Alberto is um, still good. What's that? Yeah, he is. He can still play. <laughs> um, I think it helps them that you've got Basquiat who's been there forever, but you partner him with Pongracic. 
um, who's got a ton of savvy, a ton of experience, has been around the block. You know, it's a veteran central defensive pairing. Now, I'll say this. Uh, Lazio were wasteful in this game. Okay. Uh, There was a chance where Lazari shoots where he clips out across and Kanye has a tap in. Felipe Anderson missed a great chance on a counter in the second half. Yeah. Uh, so the chances were there at Lazio to go on and win the game. Lecce got opportunistic and took advantage and won the game. And I think that that's probably where we have to just kind of slow all of this down, not overhype Lecce just yet because we did pick him for the drop. Not relegate Lazio. Yeah, and not relegate Lazio either. You think Lazio will probably eventually be fine. Lazio didn't play with Ravella. Pellegrini came on as a substitute, and they didn't play with Castelli. Um it was Comet's first game, and it was yeah. a forgettable one. Um, I thought he was poor. Um, and the statistics back that up. Didn't create anything, didn't shoot, pretty much ran around and fouled people. Um, you know, so might be a, a situation where uh, the Cardinale brass was right about him. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I mean, but it's one game. Remember, we we're gonna say to we said the same thing about Kajus. We're gonna give the same rope to Kamada, but I mean, after day one, you're not you're not impressed. So, um, and it could be the you know new league. Okay, Kajus coming over from Liga, uh, Kamada coming over from Bundesliga, and having to adapt to uh, the the tactical demands of the league that that Syria offers compared to those. Because let's face it, because I think it is, I think City, uh, for all the goals that get scored, it's still a more tactical league than those two. Oh, that's probably the most tactical league in the world. Yeah. Um, what What'd you make of Lazio's performance in this one? Obviously, being on the road at a, at a daunting place like Lecce can be, in the way that Lecce plays at home, they had a lead for majority of the game, one nothing. I mean, what do you? What, but they didn't really create the chance, like you said. They, they were wasteful. What, what do you give Lazio's performance today? Um, obviously, in a whole, you're looking at a two-one loss, but you know, at one point, 85 minutes, they were they were up. Concerning. Okay. Um, they had the chances to have this put away. I don't think they're a team that can sit on a one-nil lead, um, or should try to. I think they, Saudi ball. You've you, you score one, you go look for the second. You don't. Sit on and it felt to me like they sat on it, even though they had a little bit more of the ball. But I mean, you take a look at it, I mean, they were outshot 23 to 10 in this game. Yeah, um, you know, their 52% possession against Lecce, they had 10 shots, where Fiorentina 68% against Genoa, they had nine. Yeah. I mean, and and Fiorentina scored four times. Yeah. Um, just to give you some perspective about how possession and shots and all that can sometimes maybe be meaningless, but um. Concerning. Um, some easy chances missed where this could have been put away. Um, but after one game, you can fix the, 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 the problems are fixable. Like Lazio didn't look lost when they played. No. You know, they look lost playing a style and playing in a way in the second half that I don't think is comfortable to the 11 guys you had out there. You know, okay. and... And for me, I think that that's there'll be a learning curve here for Sarri. There'll be a learning curve here for the players. Sarri's got some new guys coming in. He doesn't have Milinkovic-Savic anymore. You're going to have a little bit of a transition here. 
And I think that part of it is the Saudis figuring out how do I, how does this team, how do I have, have this team, how do they best play? Yeah, this ain't it. 90 minutes. But I think, I, you know, up until those two goals were scored, I actually thought that that was almost the right strategy to use in this game. Yes, yeah. they are the better team, a superior team. However, Saudi knew that, yes, they're at Lecce, and Lecce play much better at home. They're going to get shots off. And so after they got the goal, they were like, let's not do anything too risky. Keep things compact. I mean, if you look at the the the, the shape formation, um, and I haven't pulled it up here, but uh, they were very compact. They stayed in the middle. They just like, like try to soak up the pressure and then try to hit them on the counter. I thought it was working for the most part. Is it the way that they're is that the bread and butter? Hell no. They should not be doing this in the year. And maybe this is a way for them to practice for maybe to try later in the year. But that's I applaud them for trying this way, especially for a team that they know they're going to get lots of shots off because they're good at home. And it seemed like it was going to work for a while, but then those two goals happened where you know yep. nobody could pick up anybody there. Olmquist with a fantastic goal him. and De Francesco. It fell apart in yep. two minutes. It fell apart in two minutes. Yep. Um, but I thought up to that point that this was the right mentality that they had to use in this in this game in particular. This is not their better button. They need to get much better in this situation. But I think instead of trying to go all out attack, they were trying to be tactful in how they attach. And like you said, what oh, ten shots or whatever it was, they. When they had chances, they went for it, but and they were it were wasteful. But they didn't want to give up too much, and I think that's what I thought was working until obviously the two goals happened. So I, I'm not I'm not so down on Lazio as a lot of people are. They're certainly not relegation fodder, right? No, uh, I, I, God, I think, no. I think uh, they're going to be high for me in the, in the table this year. But yeah, they're going to have to learn from this. Uh, and kudos to Lecce. Lecce deserve all the credit in the world because they kept sure. coming wave after wave and. Two fantastic goals to get the winner there. So uh, you know, kudos to Lecce and, and and Lazio will have to uh, regroup and, and start all over again. But I think Lazio will be fine. I'm going to be curious with Lecce going forward. Diversa might just take his chances defending with just seven guys and leaving the front three up front and just taking his chances. I mean, if they're going to get 23 shots, why not? <laughs> well, yeah, it's all against you. So go ahead, have at it. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. You know, in some of the comments to follow up on what you were saying, Providell we had as our goalkeeper of the season last year. Yeah. So maybe it makes sense. You're up one nil against an inferior. You know what you look at as an inferior team. Let's you're you're away. Let's take our chances. We've got a good goalkeeper who can stop shots. We can hit him on the break. I think if Felipe Anderson scores that goal on that counter to make done. it two nil, this thing's done and dusted. I mean, and and those are the margins in this game. Uh, but I loved, I was in, I mean, I loved, I'm intrigued by the dynamics of the front three for Lecce. Now we'll have to see because Banda left in the 77th minute with an injury. So, you know, we'll have to see where that goes. We'll, we'll have to see where that goes, but I'm, I'm intrigued that that front three could create a little bit of danger or because it's such a tactical league, everybody just watched tape on them against Lazio and said, here's their movements. Here's what they do. Here's how we're going to adjust. Yeah. So let's see how that unfolds. Hundred percent. And speaking of the team, speaking of the team that knows how to build a lead and hang on to it, go ahead. <laughs> well, surely you're not talking about Udinese, but Udinese hosts in Juventus. This is a game of black and whites versus black and whites versus. I was hoping the referee would wear black and white too, but uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen. Uh, but yeah, Udinese Juventus had the makings of a really intriguing game, just based on what Udinese did last season. Juventus with all the chaos that surrounds them and Allegri and everything else, obviously the, the, the points that they lost last year, at its core, this is still a good team. 
What Allegri mm-hmm. does very well is when they get a lead, they usually keep the lead. Last year, well, a little helter-skelter at times, but mm-hmm. historically, Allegri's team shut the lead down. But just yep. curious to see how this team would do it. How would Chiesa do coming back with this team and some of these other pieces? You know, Cambiasso was new with this team. Not Esteban Cambiasso, but we'll get to that a little later. Uh, it's, it's Andrea Cambiasso. Uh, and we found out within two minutes how it was going to go. Chiesa, this is a good sign for the Azzurri, good sign for Juventus. Early on, uh, gets a nice goal, completely freezes the goalkeeper in his tracks. Um, and part of it is probably the hairdo, the new hairstyle for uh, for the keeper there. But uh, Chiesa, nonetheless, excellent finish, one nothing early on, assisted by Vlahovic. Good to see Vlahovic uh, in the play. Obviously, give it to the guy who is who is the man there, Chiesa. Uh, they would follow that up in the 20th minute. It was a penalty. I forget who it is, if it was uh, Chiesa or who was trying to cross the ball. Defender had his arm to his sides and then clearly sticks it out there. It's a handball. Good penalty there. Yeah, Vlahovic steps up, puts it away. 2 nothing. They're in cruise control at this moment. You look like they're going to go to halftime to that scoreline. Uh, and then Cambiasso, Andrea Cambiasso, wonderful cross over everybody. And you got to give kudos to Rabio. Yes, it was a tap and header. However, he kept that run going. And I love when runners continue the run at the end of the play because chance you have a small chance that the ball's going to continue through everybody. It did right. there. Three nothing at halftime. UV are cruising at this point. There's no chance that I think that they're going to lose. Uh, maybe give a goal or, or, or two back, but it never happened. UV were comfortable at this point. They kind of like play more defensive. The, they play with a lower line. Uh, obviously, Udinese are going to go for you know, for more of the opportunities in the second half, trying to get the goal back, goals back. But uh, pretty pretty straight up win for Juventus, winning three nothing. Good performances. Uh, some of the some of the new men that, that came in at ELDs had a had a decent performance in, in a couple five minutes, whatever he played. But uh, Cambiaso, I was really impressed with him. Good to see Chiesa back to being Chiesa of old. It seems like it's early. It's still early. It's only one game, uh, but yeah, it's a good performance nonetheless. I think and a three nothing win. Good result for Juventus to start the season, where I'm sure there'll be a lot of doubters this year. Many people don't even think they're gonna be top four, but this is a, a, a statement game early on. And I'm more worried about Udinese than I am at Juventus at this point. What are your thoughts on this game? Um, I'll start with Juve. Um, they're 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 approaching. I mean, if this is going to be what they do for thirty eight games in Serie A, it's going to work. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, it, they they can just get after you because they don't have European competition. Correct. This is this is their all in this 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 the league, and that's what's going to make them dangerous. They're efficient too. Well, that's just it. They're going to come after you. They're going to press you. They're going to create. They've got guys like uh, Chiesa and Vlaovic up front that can score goals, that can create goals, and can get a lead on you. And they all have the know-how to go back to playing a leg ball and sit on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how many shots Juventus took in the second half? Probably zero. One. One, okay. One. Yeah. They said, okay, we got a 3-0 lead. You get the ball now. We'll sit back. Chesney's good enough. And Chesney Chesney actually had to make some big saves in the second half. He did. He did. Um, You know, where – You see how much more they dropped off in the second half, Juventus, where in the first half they were very much in the middle controlling the game, and they kind of – they really dropped off. Well, obviously, Udinese is going to attack. They want some goals in the game, so. Where my concern is, can you do that against a better team? 
That's where I that's that's where I will not just start saying because a couple of people are like maybe we should think about Juve for the title. People were saying it on Twitter. Said no, we shouldn't. This this Udinese team that they put out there, uh, Lovrich is fine. Okay, Perez is all right. Okay, Tobin and Beto look like an intriguing partnership up front. Tolvan, I've liked Tolvan for a long time, and we obviously we like Beto. Yeah, they could be something special if they can find a way to click. Well, they got to find a way to click, but they also need to find somebody that's going to get on the ball. And Samarja yeah. didn't start. Yeah. And Samarja may, still may not be there before the window shuts. And I'll tell you what, he balled out when he went in. Yeah. Um, Lazar Samarja did. Uh, you know, for the 45 minutes that he played, he was outstanding. He was trying to do something to get Udinese a goal. Um, you know, he may be gone before this window shuts. We'll see. If Udinese keeps him, that changes things a little bit with them. Um, you know, where they're in that 10th, 11th, 12th range versus maybe if they lose him, they're probably talking about, you're probably talking 14th, 15th, 16th. That's probably the most, that's probably what some arguments means to Udinese. Okay. But can you, and are you going to do that against a better team? against one of the seven sisters, for example. Okay. We'll have to see. We'll have to see if they can pull that off. Cause I think that what, I mean, you, we've seen Allegri do this before. He'll get one on you and he'll be fine. Like, all right, that's the one we'll just defend. Yeah. He can't can this team, can this team do that? No. And I that's going to be interesting. Cause that just the, the shift in tactics from one to the next, um, you know, in Lippi's Juventus from the nineties, score would just score goals for fun. Like, yeah, you know, that's not you know, a <laughs> yeah. ball. Well, what's the quote from uh, Ocean's Eleven? The guy that uh, is trying to tell, trying to talk the uh, uh, George Clooney and Brad Pitt out of robbing Terry Benedict's casino said, "Yeah, first they'll kill you, and then they'll go to work on you." That's what Lippi's yeah. Juventus did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Allegri's Juventus is is that. They're going to beat you, but then they're going to give you a chance. They're going to they're going to give you a chance to come back to life. They're going to shoot you in the leg and help you see you squirm and wait and hope you, to, you know, give you that chance. You're going to come back. You're not going to come back. Exactly. So, um, things to like about Juventus. I mean, the the the, the partner. I mean, Kieva and Blavich both Kieva and Blavich both being fit obviously is a huge plus. Cambiaso yeah. impressed. Yes. Um, you know, right from the start. Um, you know. Locatelli is getting – we hated this role for Locatelli when he came over to Juventus, but he's getting better and better at it. Yes, he is. Um, so, he and Rabiot were key uh, key in this game. They, they played well. I think so. I agree. So I think these are the things we like about them. Um, they're a little lean when you look at their substitutes bench, though. You know? Sure. They're not inter. Yeah, sure. exactly. They don't have the depth of an Inter or even a Milan at this point, or Napoli, or even a Roma because Roma have a ton of midfielders that they Fiorentina, can interchange. Fiorentina, too. Fiorentina too. You know, but they don't. But but seeing that they're not in Europe, they don't need it. So correct. correct. So we'll see. Um, but I okay, fine. You, I mean, you beat a an Udinese team that's probably not at their strongest right now. You took advantage of it. You you gave him the ball. He sat back. You got you got away with doing that a little bit. I think even if I think maybe Udinese would have scored once out of all those chances, so or a better team would have scored once out of all those chances after being three 0 down. 
I guess what I'm saying is, is that look, I, yeah, Juve could play this way. Can they win a title this way though? I say, I say they can. Okay, I, I do think they're challengers. I, I mean, you you mentioned how compact they played, and again, this thing isn't working for me. But <laughs> they played very compact in the second half. Second half, um, and this is typical Allegri ball. You get a goal, and you kind of set up shop. Um, I don't like the one. I don't think they can hold a one nothing lead. But you know, you get two, three nothing. You have. I think this team potentially can do it better than they did last year. Last year, yeah. there was very atypical Allegri ball, uh, where they would give up goals and leads all the time. But the old school Allegri, Allegri 1.0, there was really none of that. And I think if they can, this team has enough offensive talent where they can get a couple goals and then maybe shut it up as opposed to one nothing. One nothing, they they can they cannot do that in this league. Can they do this against Napoli? Probably not. Um, and they don't have the depth for it as we mentioned. But they're in only one league, and so they don't have to worry about just the one competition. Allegri is going to get his points. He knows how to get the maximum amount of points that he needs for every game, and they're going to be they're going to get yep. they're going to be in the mix. Um, but I think he's come off the reins offensively where he's going to let his guys, especially Kevin Chiesa back is important. Uh, healthy Chiesa means this Juventus is going to go far, I think. And so having a Chiesa and Vlahovic partnering up together, finding a way to sprinkle some of the guys, obviously you know, losing a guy like Cuadrado, but they have some players in there that can make things work. And then Locatelli performing better with Rabio. Rabio seems to, ever since the just before the World Cup, has been on this high, and he's kept that momentum, that level, which is what's going to help Juventus succeed. And so, yeah, they can get some early goals in the games and then kind of revert to this defensive shape. It isn't the prettiest of things. They're going to give up a lot of opportunities, and that's what's going to be worrying when they do play some of these big dogs. But I think Allegri is going to find a way in those games to kind of take out the strengths of the opposition and still play this compact style if they if they get a lead. And if they don't, if it's a zero, one of those zero-zero games, they have a guy like a Chiesa. Vlahovic does have some pace to him. They can hit you on the counterattack where they could possibly get some goals and, and nip it there. And so this Allegri's tactics alone, dinosaur as it is, as, as many people say, and it's not necessarily the new modern attacking style of Italian football, it works. And I think unless a bar and some major injury, Juventus is going to be in the mix whether we like it or not. They just will, and if Chiesa potentially could have a a, a good year uh, compared to Vlahovic, and will lead help lead them towards you know not only top four but potentially Scudetto race. But a lot of things have to go well for them, and they're only in one competition, which helps. But uh, again, if they can keep keep away from the injury bug, this team this team could be very strong. Could be. This is one game. This is Udinese who look very weak at the moment, but. Let's see what they do here in the next few games. Let's see how they do against some of the bigger teams. In those big games, that'll tell me what this Juventus is, really. At present, what we've seen so far in preseason and now, okay, they look pretty good. But let's see. I, I trust in Allegri. As many people don't. But I trust in Allegri, and I think he can find a way to make them in the mix, for sure. I think I'll just take the same path that I took with Fiorentina. That's great. Just do, What you did was great. Do it against somebody good now. Okay, and I'll believe in it. This is why we need 10 games. 10, 10 games from everybody. And we'll tell you, okay, yeah. We feel Because, I mean, Milan had a pretty decent first 10 games last year, and then the middle of the season stunk. Yeah, and so, it's terrible too, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it just it can happen. So, um, But in any event, I, I mean, I goals of the week, I mean, my goal of the week is Kondreva's left-footed, his second one. And then... Um, 
my honorables after that were Benagi's goal and Alkvist's goal. Um, okay. What do you have? Uh, my honorables, I have to shout out CDK, scored a goal. Uh, Chiesa's goal is a uh, honorable mention. As no, you looks. don't have to shout I'm him. doing it. Well, Tipo save on Marine. That was a that was a game changer there uh, early on in the okay. game. And Zortea, obviously, new goals. My top five, Candreva's first. I thought it was a wonderful play on the left-hand side, cut in mm-hmm. for the goal. Onkvist, great goal there. You mentioned Biragi, great goal there. Osimhen's first. I really liked the finish. I mean, that was a powerful shot. Nobody in the world would stop that shot there. It was mm-hmm. just so beautiful. And then Kadreva's second. That's a no-brainer. That's a goal of the week. One of the goals of the year candidate will be in the mix for a while. I would think so, just because it's his weaker foot. So, yep, leader in the clubhouse. That's for sure. Yeah. So, oh, let's take a quick peek at these games tomorrow, Richard. Uh, Torino and Cagliari. We get to see Torino for the first time this season. Um, not. A whole lot has changed with how they line up under uh, Ivan Juric. It's still going to be the same 3-4-2-1. You've got Miranchuk's not there anymore, so Vlasic is going to be in there to help, uh, you know, take the reins here on the creativity side. you got Raul Bellanova playing on the right wing back position as a possibility. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, scores uh, Buongiorno and Rodriguez across the back. So, you know, things haven't really changed with them. Newly promoted Cagliari. Uh, Shamuradov, who's over from Roma, uh, with Pavoletti up front, could be a possibility. Naita Nandez is still there. Jakub Yankto is a guy they brought over. I like uh, Czech Republic International, a lot of experience, good left foot. Yeah. Um, Oshello is a guy they brought over from Sampdoria. Yeah. Um, and it's Claudio Ranieri, and this is what he's going to do. He's going to play 4 4 2 because he doesn't know any other system. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I expect. Him to sit back. I expect him to allow Torino to come forward. I think that you'll see some influence from the wingbacks, especially from Torino, Bellanova, and Boivoda, uh, if they get the start. Um, but I, st- I think this is going to be a tight game. Uh, a lot of people. Torino's a Torino's a favorite at home. Um, I don't think there'll be a lot of goals in it. Uh, I think, in fact, it'll just be the one, uh, and I think Torino will get it. I think it's just going to come from something odd. I think that this is going to be one of those where, okay, promoted, Ranieri's got a ton of experience. They're going to fight their tail side off over there. But in the end, they're just going to be a little bit short. Torino's going to win the match 1-0. That's fair. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think there's going to be many goals in this game. Certainly tight. Uh, there's no real screaming of, like, player you got to watch in this game, honestly. I mean, we, we know what Torino are from what we saw last season. Uh, they're going to be difficult. They're going to have their chances. I, I agree with you. Being at home, being against a newly promoted team, they're going to get more chances than Cagliari are, I think. Uh, I can see Torino getting an early goal, too, You know, riding that kind of momentum, uh, and then Cagliari kind of forced to come out of their shell. Anytime a team has Pavoletti, I, I feel there's a chance they're going to score goals. Pavoletti just has he's a nose for a goal. He does. Uh, so I see a 1-1 game. Not much goals, like you said. It just It's just going to be a game where... A 4-4-2, Ranier is not going to want to give up too much, but he's going to let them have possession, and then they're going to have to be coming out of the shell a little bit and then get the and get the goal. So, yeah, um, it'll be an, an okay game, but it has one win one written all over for me. Yep. 1-0 one one for Torino for you as well? 1-1. Oh, you got 1-1. One, one. Okay, you have the yeah. Cali rules. I'll let you find the way. Okay. Okay. I got 1-0 I got to uh, Torino. So, and then finally, to wrap up match week one, we've got Bologna hosting Milan. Much talk about Bologna with some of the moves that they've made, uh, some of the players that they're bringing in. Riccardo Orsolini uh, was rumored to be going to Sassuolo, but you know I think that's only going to happen if Berardi actually leaves. Um, 
Dominguez is still there. You got Lewis Ferguson, who impressed. Zerksi takes over from Arnautovic up top. Um, and then Boykema is in back. Uh, good news for Bologna uh, and Bologna fans. Adama Sumaro is suspended. Um, he's a uh, card and a booking and a penalty waiting to happen whenever he plays. Yeah. So uh, you got that going for you. Uh, and then Milan's going to have this new look 4-3-3, and we've seen it in preseason. Uh, we've seen it have its positives against some pretty good clubs that they went up to went up against in friendlies, but it also exposed them, uh, you know, in, in parts. Uh, the question you have to ask yourself, because there was a lot of talk about Tamori that it, there's a, there's a lot of struggles with him lately. You got him and Chow back there, possibly. Um, Kalulu may start on the right. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Is it Xerxes and Orsolini guys that are going to be enough to scare Milan's back line? Um, that's question one. Question two, um, the new look attack from Milan. Pulisic looks like he's slated to start on the right of the front three. Um, you'll probably see Chiquese at some point. Reiner's in midfield, Loftus-Cheek. Can Milan take what they've been doing in this preseason, translate it to three points against a Bologna team that a lot of people are interested um, in, in in them in terms of a team that's that could be really, really bothersome to the traditional powers of Serie A? Difficult fixture for Milan right off the bat to try a new system here under Pioli. Yeah, and I think the fact that they have all these new pieces, right? And and I, and last year I know in the in the prediction pod I had them, I picked Milan as, as you know my preliminary uh, Scudetto favorites. Um, but I'm starting to have second thoughts about all these new pieces and whether they can work or not. Uh, that's my biggest thing. Now the potential is there that they can be really fantastic to watch and really click. But we've also seen in the past where these kind of things take time and they don't necessarily work out. And I think a team that's managed by Tiago Mota. We saw what Bologna did last year. They're going to come ready. And you mentioned the names of the guys. You know, There's an Orsini name. Should that scare the Milan back line? It shouldn't. It should, but it won't. And that'll be their, to their downfall, I think. I think they're, they may, they won't be as ready for a fight as they would for like a Vlahovic or Osiman, right? They're going to say, oh, it's just, it's just Orsini or, or, or Chelsea. I'm not going to be worried about it. But I think they should be. And this is going to be a difficult game for Milan. I'm not sure yet how all these pieces are going to come together, uh, whether it's going to work or not. I think the midfield has the potential to be good, but it's that chemistry you need in these kind of games where the other team knows knows themselves so well, Bologna does, and Milan doesn't. And Bologna can use that to their advantage. You know Thiago Bolt is going to scheme for that. And so I think I, I think this game has draw written all over it, honestly. I think there'll be goals. Yeah. A one-one, maybe, uh, maybe yeah. two-two if its defenses are poor. But I don't see Milan winning this just because of that, the inexperience with each other, infamiliarity. And I think Bologna are good enough. They were last year, about ninth, I think, last year. They're going to be a top-ten team this year. They're going to be cause headaches. And Thiago Mota is going to find his way, find a way to get his team ready. To, he'll he'll see the weaknesses from the preseason, know from last year what they're good, what they're not good, uh, good on. And it, try to exploit that. And I, I for sure think Bologna is going to make this a difficult game. And Milan needs to kind of scream, you know, for a new manager once the game ends at 1 1 or 2 2 or whatever it is. So, Leo against Posh. Oh, that's interesting. I think becomes interesting. I think Giroud gets nullified. I think Boykem is good enough to manmark. I, I think I think we're going to watch him and we're going to realize we've got a pretty good center back here in this league coming over. Hmm. 
Um, and I think he can, I think he might have the capacity to man Mark Giroud if he loses his, but he's also a young defender and could lose his concentration at the same time too. So I'm covering my ass on this one. Um, (laughs) in case Giroud scores now. Um, uh, okay. We've seen positive progress from Reinders. Yeah. Um, I, he's, he's, he's what I thought he would be, uh, when he came over. Now he, you know, Dominguez is a is a decent enough defensive midfielder. Can he get him some trouble? Can he kind of curb things with him? Um, I think the fact that Milan can now extend their attack a little bit more, and it's still going to take them some time. I think he's going to create some problems for Bologna defensively. On the other end, though, I think this Milan team defensively lapses in concentration enough to give away something cheap. So I'm with you on one one. I think that's what it's going to end up being, and I think it's going to be a byproduct of the defense has been leaky lately, still in the progress of fi- in the process of fixing it. The attack is not fine tuned with all the new parts yet, but we'll still find a way to score one. Uh, that's where I'm going with this. Milan get a point at Bologna. Tough fixture to start the season, but uh, they they start with a draw, um, and Bologna start with a draw. Yeah, totally with you. Some news with the national team, Richard. Yeah, uh, we kind of talked about this last week and who the potential managers would be, and it was unveiled despite the contract clause that uh, Joe Fischetti told us about, the $3 million clause, 3 million euro clause uh, that uh, De Laurentiis had. Spalletti is the new manager for the Azzurri. I think we can all breathe a sigh of relief that it is in Conte. Not that Conte is bad, but it just these these – 2.0 2.0 versions of these managers in the, in the national team don't seem to work. And so Luciano Spalletti is the new manager. I think this works out well. Um, I think Ravina even said something to the fact that his enthusiasm and expertise will be crucial. Kind of what Joe Fischetti was saying last week is that he's not going to, he's a guy who can use the formation that's already there because he's already used, he already uses that for Napoli. He used it for Napoli and he's always used this uh, and can get these players to continue on and build upon what they already what they're already doing. So it won't be a big change for the team. He can kind of evaluate the team. He's already, I'm sure, seeing some tape on it, has some his own thoughts. Hopefully the youngsters will now get more opportunities. Will Rettigui continue to be a starter on the scene? We'll, we'll see. All these things we'll have to find out. But I think Luciano Spalletti is absolutely the correct choice in this. And I'm excited to see what he can bring to this team. Um, it seemed like inevitable that he would be a national team coach at some point. Was it going to be this, this soon? I didn't think so. But... Happy to see it either way. So, what are your thoughts? Um. Now, this, the, the, I mean, what has Spalletti been known for everywhere he's been? What position seems to always benefit the most? The striker. What position has struggled the most under Mancini? Striker. Yes, that's the biggest reason why I love this hire. Yeah. Um, he will tactically prepare this team so that the striker can get in position to score goals and be in a better position. He's got to decide who that guy is. He's got yeah. choices. Yeah. Um, Retegi, uh, Skamaka. Mm-hmm. Um, he may even go back and say, hey, I want to give Immobile another shot. Yeah. I, think I, can, I think I can create an environment where I can give him a boatload of chances and he can score for us. So it might be Belotti. Uh, he might go to the he might go the veteran route. Um, I hope that he 
brings an influx of some of the younger talent now. Um, ushers out some of the guys like Bonucci um, and, and gets that going. We'll see if he does that. I think he will. Um, but I think the biggest redeeming quality about Spalletti taking this position is that he's got a track record for making strikers excel. And that's a that's an area where Italy has struggled big time over the last several years. I would say... I agree 100% with everything you said there. Spalletti seems to have the most success with mobile strikers who are versatile. Yeah. That would lend an advantage to Rettegui and Immobile over Scamacca. Doesn't mean yeah. Scamacca is going to be missed out on this. And he'd probably, I'm sure, get his fair chance. But the way Spalletti likes his, lines up his team, the way he likes to attack the ball, he, re- he requires the striker to be mobile enough to read and cut through the lines with the, the openings there. You hit it wherever it is, in the middle, left, right, wherever. We saw that with Icardi in the past. The Osimo, Osimo was fantastic with it last year, obviously. Jekyll and Let- Roma. Jack Roma, yeah, right, exactly. Um, Retegui, we've seen already flashes that he can do that, and we know Immobile can do that. Skamaka is he's your classic number nine up there. He's gonna hold the ball, he's gonna score his beautiful goals. Can he do that? We'll see. Tom will tell if he can do it, but that's what I expect out of Spalletti type strikers, and so those guys will have the advantage immediately over Skamaka. But it doesn't mean we'll see. Either way, I think goals will happen. He'll find a way to get his, I mean. It, the Azuri have had one of the best midfields in the world for a long time. They just had nothing in the front to help them put the goals away. Spalletti will scheme to get that to happen where the midfield will still flourish and then find a way to get the wing backs included. Spinazzola is going to feast now. Uh, whoever's going to play on the right, hopefully it's Calabria, but whoever's playing on the right-hand side, hopefully not Florenzi. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But they'll find a way to get involved so that they feed the strikers and put them in a position to score goals. So I, I do see a lot more goals now uh, and, and – I'm excited to see what this happens. I haven't felt as excited for the Azzurri in a long time, maybe since Mancini first took over uh, and what they did in the Euros. But, yeah, this, uh, I'm excited to see what happens here. And, uh, yeah, I'm, the youth the youth movement hopefully happens because there are some good u- youngsters. I mean, Juve have a couple of youngsters, right? Miretti and uh, Fagioli. So start using some of these youngsters that are around the league. And, man, uh, you know, adding Tonali to the mix of the guys who are already there, right? Barella, um, Va- Oh my God, I forget the names of Verratti and, uh, oh my God, and Jorginho, right? Just to mix. I mean, they got four excellent midfielders there to pick from, plus some of the other guys, Locatelli and some of these other guys, Fratesi even can get in the mix. And don't forget Raspadori. This is this is exciting times here. So, yeah, Raspadori would be another guy for the striker conversation, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, time will tell, but I think it, it's, it's a, it's, it was the natural decision for Italy to make. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know the way finances are with football. Three million, a three million payout to De Laurentiis, a drop in the bucket. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so anyway, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll see what uh, how you know, and it works out for Spalletti because you know, I mean, obviously, I mean, you, the national team coach is a full time job, but you're not training every day. Yeah. You can still be in Tuscany and and make your wine and. <laughs> yeah. First test know. will be what September ninth, tenth that weekend, right? Facility is in the majority of the time. The facility is over at Covertiano, so over there in Florence. So he's not too far away. It, it works out. Yeah. So, so, yeah. yep. We'll see. We'll see what it does when the next because uh, the next breaks. Yeah, not too far away. Like the beginning of September. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the next round of qualifiers hits. So, so we'll see what happens. So, yeah. all right. Well, we're gonna since we skipped it last week, we're gonna do it. But it's just for this week's entries. Uh, 
once again, coming back, the world's most popular hashtag game. It's time for Who Won Calcio Twitter. We're still going to we're gonna be defiant, I think, Richard, and just call it Who Won Calcio Twitter because that's what the world knows it to be. We're not going to call it Who Won Calcio X or whatever Elon <laughs> Musk wants us to call it. This is Who Won Calcio Twitter. This is what we know it to be. Let's get on with it, and let's start with the uh, first entry. Yeah, and, and this is just from the last week. I I will do I'll, you know one of both of us or one of us will do one uh, here later in the week on the rest of it from the summer. But this is just from the last week to keep it recent. Uh, yep. So we're starting out with uh, so Sergio nominated this one from Alessandro Rafa, and it's uh, so Inter Milan or Inter separate Inter put a thing that Inter Milan pull out of the race to sign Porto striker Taremi. Uh, and then he says, uh, Inter have proven this summer that a good pullout game is not always the key to success. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> nice. Right on. Right on. All right. Saturnian, who is a regular here in this space. Uh, uh, Pioli when Kessie left, snooze. Pioli when Tonali left, snooze. Pioli when Krunich wants to leave. <laughs> Angry. Start crying. <laughs> That's facts. Facts. 100% there. Yeah, All right. Next one coming from uh, Uncle Sharma. And it's uh, German media versus Italian media on the Pavard negotiations. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Oh, that's great. That's, great. that's good. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Uh, Forza Domi is nominating at Juve Sebastiano. Once you see, it cannot be unseen. I'm a body girl. <laughs> Uh, for... Oh, dear Lord. I had to see this. You'll have to see this. I'm not sleeping tonight. Thanks, guys. Oh, that's great. I saw that, too. I had to, I had to share that. That's awesome. Oh, my God. Scary. That is scary. All right. Moving on. Uh, it's... Me heading into work next weekend, aware that for 10 months, my mood will be dependent upon exclusively if the results of these colors, red and black. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. That's the same nomination again. That's what I did. So moving on. Yep. All right. Moving on. Uh, Bobby nominated at TSN, MK, and D. Uh, Anthony is up there with Jair Bolsonaro as far as terrible Brazilian right wingers go. Oh, I don't. That doesn't have anything to do with Calcio, Bobby. You just wanted to hate on a Manchester United guy because you're an Arsenal fan. <laughs> All right. Uh, also, not Calcio later, but this is who will catch the Twitter nominee by uh, Anthony. Setman Dave, Portmouth for Cheltenham. Linesman pulls calf. Fourth official replaces Linesman. He pulls his calf. Play stop. Uh, Tanoi announce, uh, announcement for qualified refs in the crowd. Cheltenham go back in the dressing room. A fan steps in. And put some pair of golden boots and the game restarts. Okay. <laughs> That's a wild game. That's a wild game. Excellent. And now on to what I think is the winner, hands down. I don't care what follows this. At I am underscore replic. Hakan really fouled a Juve player without even playing against them. <laughs> oh, when he knocks the referee. over the referee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great tackle. Oh, uh, should have been a card, though. <laughs> Oh mercy! All right, I did. I nominated that too because I saw it right after you. Uh, what else? Oh, Art Vandelay in the house. Uh, CDK in less than a month under the Gasparini system, it's all juiced up. This is a primal person. <laughs> 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 all proteins muscled out. <laughs> and farm fresh milk. 
from Liver King Ranch. The most feared warriors, the Maasai. <laughs> is he eating raw chicken? Yeah, I don't know, man. Oh, God. This is a good but scary one by uh, Italian media. UVFC.com nominated this one. Typical Sky. And say a picture of Andrea Camillasso, and it says Esteban Camillasso. <laughs> the former Inter player. Yeah, yeah. Good job, Sky. Good job. Oh, uh, I am Replic wins. <laughs> I don't think this funny. is even a conversation. I can't I can't put the Allegri Barbie one in there. <laughs> it's terrifying. Just I think it would completely damage our reputation. <laughs> We've done that a long time ago. What are you talking about? <laughs> this was that, no, that, yeah, no. I think Hakan tackling the Juve player was great. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, what we'll go with. That's good. That's good. Like I said, we'll do uh, we'll do uh, while you write that one up there. Uh, we'll do the rest of the summers who won't catch the Twitter later on. But uh, this past week, that is the win- a clear winner, hands down, by both of us. So uh, excellent, <laughs> excellent job by I Am Republic. Oh my goodness! Yep. Almost finished filling that up. Anything else you want to say to the people? Um, shout out to oh my gosh, um, come back to me on that. Uh, but I'll, I'll just say we can follow me at r underscore k h a r m a n. Um, having a brain fart right now, but went on a podcast recently. I never get to talk just AC Milano. Usually we come on here, we talk, we try to be as unbiased as possible. Um, but uh, I was fortunate enough to go on uh, Euro Tales. There we go, Euro Tales. Uh, definitely give them a follow to give uh, talk about uh, stories for different European clubs all around, how people became fans and stuff like that. So I got to actually sit down, take off my unbiased hat, and, and talk about Milan and why I became a supporter of them. And so, uh, great podcast there by Liam and, and the crew there. So give it a follow. Uh, but it was nice again, like I said, just, just talk strictly Milan and and let that flag fly. So it was good times there. Thank yeah, you. sometimes that's nice. So yeah. So he he gave out his. I'm at FTC underscore twenty one on Twitter, and we're gonna put a bow on this edition of Seria Sit Down. Uh, where you can find us. We have our own channel on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Uh, wherever there are podcasts, there is Setia Sit Down at Setia Sit Down on Twitter or X, whatever you're calling it these days. Also on Instagram, check us out there. We're also on Facebook. Uh, here on the YouTube page, if you're watching us here uh, and it's your first time watching, you enjoyed the content, please drop a like. Uh, please subscribe to the channel and then also uh, hit that notification bell so that you know when we are going live, uh, whether it's uh, doing our podcast here or if we have a video drop. So uh, check it out at that rate. CityAssitdown.com, our website, go to for all things City A. So, um, Richard, next week? Yeah, hopefully back on Tuesday. Tuesdays. Hopefully back, back on Tuesdays. Tuesdays. Yes, yeah. we just had to do a special Sunday edition based on our schedules. We do yeah. have lives outside of this, yep. so um, we we have to tend to them. So I uh, want to thank you all for uh, listening in, and uh, we will uh, see you for a review of Match Week 2. Uh, until then, for Richard, I'm Frank, and as always, make sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao. Let's go!